Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. You are the cast. You can pot anything. You can pot everything you want to be. You are a smile. You are a rainbow. You were created so perfectly. Sometimes we laugh. Sometimes we cry. Sometimes we hurt inside and don't know why. We're only human. We make mistakes. Sometimes it feels like only other people get the breaks. <laughs> yes, correct. Hey! Ugh. We can pot everything. I, luckily, everyone knows what you're doing right now. You're the cast. Uh-huh. Hi, everybody. My name is Griffin Newman. <laughs> I'm David Sims. This is Blank Check with Griffin and David. We're hashtag the two friends. It's a competitive advantage. We get along very well. We do. I mean, most of the time. Yeah. Uh, I thought David was going to physically attack me for doing that. I thought you were just going to do something worse. And then that was funny. And like, I just think that song is funny. We were already talking about that song. The song is ridiculous. And I did hand yes. gestures and it was kind of cute. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah, well, it was like right. a little cute. It's about as cute as it was in the movie. Thank exactly. You. So the yeah. cutest thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> you are the cast. You can pot everything. I also messed up the first lyric. It's everything. I said anything. Anyway, this is a podcast about filmographies. Yes. Directors who have massive success early on in their career. Sometimes humongous, unprecedented, Oscar-winning success. Yes. Sometimes their first movie. You make a cancer drama that plays like Avengers. Yep. <laughs> that is the biggest box office hit of the year. Yep. Was it number one of that year? I think so. I feel like it was number two. I, th- I feel like it was number two behind something really obvious. You're right. Number two. Behind? Return of the Jedi. Yep. There we Obviously. go. Obviously. Right. But apart from that. Yeah. Right. Huge. Mm-hmm. Look, that's, that's, there you go. It's a big one. It was only second to Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. To, to the last Star Wars movie. Right. That's like yes. if Lady Bird was the number two movie <laughs> behind Last Jedi. Yeah. Sometimes uh, those checks clear and sometimes they bounce. I, I don't remember if I said the middle thing. Matt's success earlier on the career issues. Who knows? Checks, sometimes it's clear, sometimes they bounce, baby. This is a mini series on the films of James L. Brooks. Yes, and it's called as pot as Podcast a cast. News. It's called Podcast yeah. News. Wait, what is the one you said? As Pod as a Cast. Podcast News. News is better. Yes. Well, I love how every single guest has agreed with me. <laughs> Perfect record. Do you know what I'll say in response to that? You are the cast. <laughs> you can pot everything. That's what we should have called it. The, yeah. the podcast. You yeah. are the cast. Mm-hmm. You can pot We should have made sure you could only sing the title. Everybody yeah. would know exactly what you were talking about. And of course, <laughs> this is his most famous movie. Right. Of course, we are talking about James L. Brooks. <laughs> yep. Good old Canyon Jim. Yep. His third talkie. Mm-hmm. And it is entitled, I'll Do Anything. I'll Do Anything. Which, He'd made Terms of Endearment, cr- 1983. Boom. He made... Broadcast News, 1987. Uh, one of my 10 favorite movies of all time. Right. And then seven years go by. Mm-hmm. And then it's, he's working on a musical. Oh, my God. I'll Do Anything, starring yeah. People's Sexiest Man Alive, Nick Nolte. Because he... Yeah. Was, and, yeah. And it was right around the time of this, right? No, I Imagine think he's sexiest... I yeah, think I he's Sexiest Man Alive uh, the year he was in The Prince of Tides. I'm going to double check this that right now. 1992. 
You know what's a crazy thing? So it's thing? like the Oscar season. Yeah, and this is 94? Yes. You know what's a crazy thing about Nick Nolte? He actually aged really well until he didn't. Like, he's like 51 <laughs> in this movie. He's 50. He's older. He's 53. I mean, I, I look think. at him and all I can see is the mugshot. 100%. <laughs> well, and also, you forget that he's always had the voice. Obviously, right. it's gotten more gravelly. Right. But even in this one, he's like, oh, God, for, what are you doing? Like, and, and he looks like an Easter Island head. He, he looks intense. He sounds like, a, you know, an innkeep in like a 19, hey, 1890s on, Western. Yeah, right. He just, ugh. He feels so out of Brendan. <laughs> He feels so out of place in this movie to me. I don't it's know. It's very strange casting. It's really weird. But don't you think, I mean, maybe I, I'm biased because I know how much time caught up with him very quickly. Like, considering that there is eight years between this and the mugshot. Right. That's crazy. That it looks feels like, like 25 a, years. Yeah, that feels like a short amount of time. Right. It's only eight years? This when was is the mugshot? 1994 and the mugshot is 2002. I guess I also come from a weird place in that, like, my first conception yeah. of Nick Nolte was really the mugshot. Like, I didn't sure. really know of, like, he wasn't on my radar really before that. You also come so. from a weird place because Nick Nolte was your father who you didn't grow up with. He hadn't yeah. seen you in two years. Yeah, and then and suddenly you took, had to go yeah. live with him. I mean, I got the curly hair. Right. How did you know that his mugshot was 2002? Like, it, how is that lodged in your memory? Because it was it, Hulk related. Yeah, it was taken during Hulk. That's why he has that look. Yeah. And then Hulk comes out 2003. <laughs> Right, right. The sort of stringy hair look. Because yeah. then when, when Hulk came out, everyone was like, oh, so he's just like committing to that look now? And it was like, no, that's why he looked that bad. Because um, he plays a homeless lunatic in the Hulk. Yeah, right. He's so good in the Hulk. Um, he's really interesting in the Hulk. Best supporting actor, <laughs> 2003. How did you feel about him? I'm your father, Hulk. <laughs> My go-to Nick Nolte. He doesn't Nolte, say Hulk, does he? My go-to, <laughs> my go-to Nick Nolte is Nick Nolte and Warrior. Sure. Where he yells, "I'm your father, Brendan," <laughs> and I do that with my brother all the time, my brother James. And so then I like to apply it to other movies. Yeah. I'm your father, Hulk. I made you green. You could. <laughs> I like you when you're angry. <laughs> I do. You're good at it. Thank I, you. I would never attempt a Nick Nolte now. All right, so just just dial that down by 10%, and that's Nick Nolte in this movie. This is oh, the thing. I'll do anything for the part. Right. I thought he'd be like 50% less crazy, but he's not. No, he's, no, he's crazy. He's gravel-voiced. We should mention our guest has done an incredible job. Oh, it's talking so much. It's talking so much. Before she's introduced. Nailing it. Writer all around town. You know her best from her appearance on the Aloha episode. Ladies and gentlemen, Esther Zuckerman is here in the studio. Hey, Esther. Hi. How is everyone doing? <laughs> I'm freelance presently. Hey now. Hey. All over the place. All over the place. Has written true. for. Has written for VanityFair.com. Yeah. Well, um, Reclaire.com. Atlantic Wire. Atlantic Wire. Well, that was how I met David. Yeah, that's right. We talked about our lunches uh -huh. yeah. every day. Oh, it's coming soon on CBS, How I Met David. I, just... I hated him. Yeah. Have really? we talked about this on the pod? I don't know if we talked about this Esther on the pod. Esther really resented I, I, me. Esther Zuckerman's a guest today. You, of course, know her most famously from the Aloha episode, which was about the sky. The sky. <laughs> uh, tell this, this anti-meat cute. 
I was just annoyed at David because I'd been there for a really long time, and then David comes marching in. Yep, well, I marched in already. He he really marched in. Yep. He, little drummer boy he came in <laughs> wearing a drum. Yeah, he marched in. He left early to go to trivia. That's true. That really yeah. pissed me off. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Esther did not like me. <laughs> I didn't like that. And you had also gotten the job largely through trivia. A little bit. <laughs> Trivia was very important. Yeah, the networking. And then we became friends. Yeah, Yeah, we we, bonded. We bonded. I can't remember. When did we bond? There were certain various things that we should probably talk about off mic about that that bonded us. Oh, yeah. Hey, now. Um, But yeah, no, we... we, Was it my sad day? uh, That was one of them. That was definitely one of them. Where I was like, Esther, what's up? (laughs) I had a really sad day. (laughs) There was a sad day one time. But that's not just it. There, There were a few things. Yeah. I think you just realized I wasn't uh, so bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not so bad. You, no, you David, warmed up. David's pretty good. Yeah. I, we I, really I, bonded I, over lunch, though. Sure. Lunch was huge. Debating what lunches we would get. Yeah. Discussing the lunches once we had them. Sometimes big, they were disappointing. Uh, are you a big sandwich person as well? I'm a, I'm a She's medium, medium sandwich, sandwich person. I'm a huge sandwich David's person. David's a huge sandwich yeah, person. Right. I just like, like I'm, I'm very into variety yes. when it comes right, to lunch. Right. Which is my problem, too. I, I struggle with just doing the same thing over and yeah, over again. Yeah, so... I remember how when we met, which was I was David's plus one to Mad Max Fury Road. Yes. And I showed up and I had hives. Yeah, you were disgusting. <laughs> I honestly don't remember. And that's, you looked like a war boy. And that's not a thing that happens to me. I no, have a, an weird. awful body that does yeah. a bunch of, it pulls a lot of fast <laughs> ones on me. Right, but that, but was, usually, a new, that was a new curveball. It's from the regular repertoire. And yeah, that yeah. was like off the main set list. So I showed up like so amped to see what would then become my favorite movie of the oh, year. Oh, and it was a great screening too, yeah. I remember. Yeah, covered in hives and was freaking out. Yeah. I don't remember the hives, but I do remember you guys talking about like what the podcast yes. morph into. That is the famous very- screening where we came up with the blank check concept. Yeah, I remember. You came in with that. Right, right, yes. Yes. Wow. That's a good point. So I came in with hives. Hives. And, but you were like, you <laughs> know what? Great idea. Because <laughs> we were still in Star Wars and you were like, you know what I feel like this podcast is about is about like blank check movies. Right? Yeah. And, I remember that. Because that was a phrase we would say a lot of the time. And I hadn't been listening at that point because honestly, I didn't listen to podcasts before that. <sighs> I wasn't listening to any podcasts. Well, Serial I mean, hadn't come out at that point, right? No, no, so it had. It had? was Serial. Okay. Our I podcast didn't was, listen to Serial. Yeah. Our podcast was a sequel to Serial, as we all know. Oh, yeah. right, of course, because Serial's the first podcast. Yeah. Exactly. Season two. <laughs> this is Take all that. about Bo Bergdahl. Bo Bergdahl. <laughs> I still think we should do a Blank Check miniseries on Serial Season 2. Sure, I liked Serial Season 2. Listen to every app, and people were like, boo. Yeah. Mark Bull. More like Mark Boo. Bo Bergdahl. Ben gave me a look. More like Boo Bergdahl. As, as I sat down here this morning, Ben told me we have to talk about how many podcasts we're recording. And he just gave me a look. Because of a burnout? He's over, yeah, he's, he's burned out. Yeah. Yeah, I just got a lot going on today in the studio. <laughs> and um, and he's really happy about it. I'm No, I am happy. I love... I love recording Ben's not podcasts. Looking great. <laughs> Producer Ben has lost a little. Well, luster. yeah, I stayed up till like four in the morning watching this <laughs> watching movie. This movie, I, I would have just so told sorry. you not. To. Yeah, I know. I, I, Anytime you're on the fence, just text us, and we'll be like, "You can skip. I'll do anything. It's okay, Ben." Okay. I did the exact same thing. I didn't finish this movie until four a.m. You guys are idiots. Yeah. We recorded yesterday. Yeah. yeah. It was a weekend day. I, we recorded in the morning on a weekend. I well, went right home and, I, and I went to Amazon and I rented I'll Do Anything. The Haas and I are idiots. And I watched it. Mr. Haas and I are idiots. We watched it Friday. Ugh. And we're tired. Wow. The Fart Detective and I are tired. Yeah. The Meat Lover and I are white. 
out. <laughs> Dirtbike Benny and I, mm. we're fucking at our wits Remember, end. Remember how there's a time crunch on this episode? Kylo Ben, Priest Ben Kenobi, <laughs> Ben Night Shyamalan, Ben Sage, Say Benny, Think Dot Dot Dot, Ail Ben's with the dollar sign, War Haas, Purdue Bane, Ben 19, The Fennel Maker, and Robo Haas. Robo Haas. Dead or alive, you are podcasting with him. Yeah. That's new information to me. Yes, well, we're we're far in the future, Esther. I know, it's so weird. So, so if you have anything you want to go on the record with. Do you want to see Nick Nolte? Make some predictions. Oh, yeah, if you want to talk about what's going to be happening in late April, what yeah. do you think? Oh. I'll be 32 when this okay. movie comes out. Oh, it'll be after your birthday? After my birthday. I'll be David always 29. has a really fun birthday party. Oh. I like. I appreciate hearing that. Sometimes, I got very drunk last year. Sometimes <laughs> yes, I like did. to speak to myself in the future, like Ben. Hold it together. You're doing okay. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I need. I might be in LA in April. Really? Moving yeah, or time. just there for? No, the, no, no, okay. not moving. Oh. Just there, just there for a vacation. Okay, sure. All right, Esther. In the future, wear sunscreen. Don't I'll, get burned. <laughs> check out Nick Nolte's Wikipedia profile picture, guys. It's him. He must have paid to have that done because most Fair people's Wikipedia. Most people's Wikipedia profile pictures are Are, ugly. I mean, there's some Creative Commons picture that's like completely insane. This is good. I went down the rabbit hole of figuring out Nick Nolte's age at different moments in time. Do you know how old he is in that picture? Uh, That's 1976. I'm going to guess he's about 35. Yeah. Yeah. But like that guy could pass for 25. Yeah, I guess so. He's he's got a big face. He's always has. Look, he's, he's got, got a the, face like a cinder block. He's got the Joel Egerton thing where they both have craggle faces, mm-hmm. which means they simultaneously, even when they were young, they look old because their faces have old features. But he looks pretty virile there. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, yeah. Esther, <laughs> virile is a way to put it. I made a joke about Nick Nolte being your father, but this movie is autobiographical for you. You, of course, grew up in Hollywood. <laughs> yes, I grew up. That's true. Right? Oh you grew God, up in I can't LA. believe this is the bit. <laughs> you grew up in La. I grew up in LA and I screamed all the time. Did you? Were you a, were, were you a, a, a bratty actually, little child actually, raised by Tracy Ullman? I actually wasn't a screamer. No. I was a crier. Were you the best? Okay. Okay. Could you do everything? Uh, could you do everything? Yeah. I you could. are an only child. So I did, I did sometimes perform. Sure, oh, okay. sure. Yeah, right, right, I mean, right, naturally. Right. Yeah. Did you ever yeah. have aspirations of being like a stage kid, a child actor? You know. Like, yes and no. I think a part of me sort of wanted to, Mm -hmm. but also I think like I was moved. My parents were like, don't do that. Like they were like subliminal messaging me, like don't become an actress. But, you know, I moved you to the really stable uh, job of media, like journalism, exactly, entertainment journalism. (laughs) Um, But I did do some hammy shit. Yeah. 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 You bathe in that river. Yeah. I (laughs) River (laughs) ham. River Ham, Esther. I got it. Ugh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Best reaction to that one. Um, yeah, I, um, what are some of the, I, I, this is like the worst thing I've ever, I ever did. I mean, it was sort of great when I was a kid, but like uh-huh. in retrospect, I, I would have, if I were another kid, I would have punched me. There was like a school, like, it wasn't like a talent show. It was like a concert. I was in the choir, but I did a duet with one of my teachers who was my like best friend to me and my shadow. Oh, wow. Boy. <laughs> what what did they teach? How was old it like homeroom teacher? She was yeah, she was like a homeroom okay. teacher. It was like seven. Wow. We got like we it's got horrible. we got like little sparkly vests and like top like top hats mm-hmm. and canes and did the whole thing and this is my yeah, she was like my best friend. We played we used to like during recess play like name that tune where like we would sing show tunes back and forth to one another. <laughs> Esther, you are a parody yeah. of a kid who grew up in LA sometimes. I know. I don't know if I've told this on the podcast before, but I used to ask 
my friends' parents if I could perform at their birthday parties, the kids' <laughs> birthday parties. And they often let me. Sure. What did you perform? I was, did you charge? Did I charge? No, I did not no. charge. It was pro bono. I mean, you were just, you're getting the experience. That, that's work. I had to build that resume. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, a lot of magic. Oh, interesting. I was okay. very into magic as a child. Yeah. Uh, one of the reasons I love the Babadook. <laughs> Because it's this kid who keeps on practicing magic and driving his mom insane. The Babadook. The The Babadook. The Babadook. Yeah. Magic, but then sometimes I like write plays and like make other kids put them on with me. I do puppet shows. I once once tried to. um, We were great kids. I once tried to to make my, um, make one of my friends perform. Like we were having a play date and I once tried to like make her perform a, uh, a, production of Peter Pan the musical and I was like like in my house and I was like we like ha- from memory yeah. I was like we have to do this and she obviously like had not been like listening to the sound the Kathy Rigby soundtrack for like ages and yeah, yeah I made her do that wow Ben what did you do when you were a kid you like put firecrackers <laughs> in mailboxes and yeah, stuff I was like a nightmare <laughs> uh, just a miscreant running around New Jersey <laughs> shoplifting and what have you so you, you were more of a Nick Nolte type. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would get like a map and then I would get a piece of paper and I would draw a subway system for the oh map I got. God, That's geez. the shit I did. Fucking. Okay, See, I at least we were entertaining. I would, no, but I was all uh, <laughs> internal. It was all happening in my head. I have a great story and I'll be keep it brief. Yeah. We s- were stealing lawn ornaments. Okay. <laughs> right. Because that's the thing kids do. Yeah. And so we stole from this particular like neighbor of my friends who was always stealing our balls and frisbees yeah. and stuff. He wouldn't give it back. He was like that guy. Yeah. We were like, we're gonna get some payback. So we stole this like I don't know, heavy kind of expensive. I guess we thought expensive looking lawn gnome. Okay. Then we took pictures with a disposable camera at different locations and mailed it to him. Basically, being like, we've got your, we've got your, your lawn gnome. Do you want it back? Like almost like a ransom. You kind are of thing. the kid from American Vandal. Like Wait, that's yeah. just the prank from American Vandal. That's amazing. Wait a second. What? I heard that Sherlock Gnomes was looking <laughs> God. for a thief from New Jersey. Well, it was me. Your number one suspect. I think Sherlock Gnomes would no. Gnomes will have come out by now. So we'll that's a very relevant joke. Of the year. Yeah. Yes. Uh, okay, so we, that's our childhoods. Uh, none of us were raised by Tracy Ullman or Nick Nolte. Neither. Yep. Um, but yet, here we are talking <laughs> about know. this film. Just this, trying to pivot yeah, us yes. vaguely towards yeah. this movie. I did a bad job alley-ooping it. Mm-hmm. Or taking your alley-oop <laughs> yeah, sure, and, right. and taking it to the hoop and dunking it into the basket. And it's up and it's out of here. Okay. Um, Ugh. This is his blank checkiest movie. Well, until how do you know? Just That's in terms of the money biggest spent, check. Right, but right. I think this in terms of what they yes. let him do. In terms of ambition. Right. Yes. And it also is like he avoided the sophomore slump. He made a follow up. broadcast news, right? That I think has aged into a, a better film than terms of endearment. Right. But even even forgetting that, it was still a hit. It's totally still got worked. Oscar nominations. Totally it worked. Was, it was a, a good best. follow-up. It's the best. Right. And in between the two, he Created launches the, the Helps Simpsons. create The Simpsons. Right. right. He has the Tracy Ullman show on Fox, which has The Simpsons as one of two animated segments. Imagine how it feels to be the other animated segment that was on the Tracy Ullman show. <laughs> Wait, what was the other animated segment? I looked it up. It's called like Dr. and Igor or something. Oh, boy. Hey. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's like literally an unpronounceable title. It's like N exclamation par- mark right. G Q. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, that got really big. Yeah, in yeah. eighty in eighty seven, Tracy Ullman's show launches. In eighty nine, The Simpsons launches. Yeah, and you might have heard of it. It's a very big show that they will not kill. Uh, yeah, and it thirty makes years old at this point. Yes, you know, almost uh, the Disney uh, uh, buyout of Fox might actually kill The Simpsons. Have you read this whole theory? I have. Yeah, because a lot of it is that Fox, the network, makes money by paying Fox Television Studios for the licensing rights for The Simpsons. So uh-huh. even though the show is so prohibitively expensive now because the voice actors I got so much money. The syndication value because they just keep on adding the number of episodes is worth it. Mm-hmm. But if Fox the network is owned by a different company than Fox TV, which it's going to be, then they might just make it a mercy killing. Well, Fox the network can't be owned by Disney. Exactly. Right. Yes. That's right. the problem. But Disney right. is going to own 20th Century Fox, Fox Television, yes. the production company. Dun, dun. I mean, who cares? Fine. Kill the Simpsons. Yeah. About like, time. Who, like, who will miss it? And I'm sure Disney will find a way to make a ton of money off of it in death. Right, right. They'll, they'll make something. a Simpsons park or something, yeah. like whatever. Well, Universal called dibs on that baby. I, I can't stand him. I can stand him. <laughs> you would love, I know you hate theme parks. You think you hate theme parks. It's just not my thing. Do you know how good the Simpsons area is? They built Springfield at Universal. Sounds cool. You can go to Moe's. You can eat a crusty burger. Can you get a flame of Moe's? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. They have three different kinds of duff. It's great, David. You would like it. You like The Simpsons. Ding dong. Ding dong. Ding oh. dong. Okay. All right. Uh, can you get the door, Esther? Okay. Creep. Yep. Yep. Stomp. <laughs> Stomp. Uh, is this uh, your wolf's studios here? No, this is uh, Audio Boom Studios. NPR to this American life? No, you're uh, you're at the blank check record, whoever you are. Where's Sarah Koenig? <laughs> oh, yeah. Nope. No, not Wrong not show. not today. Sorry, I'm Sam Elliott. Uh, okay, <laughs> what? I should have recognized you what? from your ten gallon hat. Yeah, you should have recognized me from my voice. That sounds exactly like how I Sam Elliott sounds, mm-hmm. and my physical appearance and my illustrious filmography. The hero himself. My ears were burning. Okay, I heard someone talk about the 2003 picture Hulk. <laughs> You're Thunderbolt Ross in that oh, one? Of course, General Thunderbolt Ross. Now, in that film, I had to play a military man. It's, you've done that a couple times in your career. I have to go a little nattier. You sure, know what I'm you, saying? Trim. You, you, you would have to you trim your facial hair. Right. You're, you're famed for your big stash. I got a big bushy mustache. <laughs> but I had to be natty for General Thunderbolt Ross. Okay. Well, have you ever thought about uh, like subscribing to like an online service that would provide you with all the things you need to uh, get natty. I have, but here's the problem. On Hulk, they spent 95% of the budget on Nick Nolte's bail. So they didn't have any petty cash for me to get razors. Well, all you need is five bucks. Did they have five bucks? I probably could have squeezed five <laughs> out of them, yeah. All right, well, so for five bucks, you can get Razors, shave butter, shampoo, body wash, toothpaste, everything you need to look, smell, and feel your best. Do they have any boot lather? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. Let me ask you a question. <laughs> it's more about the human skin and, you know, like your, your you, body. Sure, this is embarrassing. Oh, I know Especially what you're Especially since ask we're me. in mixed company. Mm-hmm. <laughs> David. Yes. 
You are David Sims, right? That's me. I know I was confused about what studio I was in, but now I I should admit I'm a long time blank. Uh, Thank you. I love the Speed Racer episode. (laughs) Uh David. Yeah. I'm very ashamed to say this. I have a real stinky butt. (laughs) Well. My butt smells terrible. David, I have no idea how to wipe. Well. Uh, I can't, I mean, the kit can't teach you how to wipe, but you it gonna can say provide you with butt wipes. <laughs> no. no, I want to hear what Esther was going to say. Esther, I'm a big fan of your work. You still work at the AV club, right? <laughs> nope. Well, common mistake. Anyone could make it. <laughs> They're called One Wipe Charlies with aloe vera and chamomile. I wipe so poorly. I have poop on my butt cheeks. <laughs> All right, okay. Not I'm even in you the off, crack. Sam. Sam, that's enough. On top of the cheeks. <laughs> Sam, that's enough. <laughs> well, instead of having to go to the store, well, that's the worst part because my butt smells so bad and, and kicked me out of the store. And struggle to like buy products to deal with your many hygiene problems. Yeah. Your mounting. I mean, now I'm smelling it too. Yeah. Um, you can use here. Dollar Shave Club. I get an amazing high quality shave every morning from my Dollar Shave Club executive razors, the best razor I've ever used. And then there's the Dr. Carver shave butter, which is fantastic. It goes on clear so you can see where you're shaving. And since Dollar Shave Club delivers everything to you, you don't have to set foot in a store wandering the aisles, hunting for razors, for shampoo and body wash and toothpaste. None of it. Clean up your bathroom and your morning routine. Join Dollar Shave Club today for, and for just $5 with free shipping, you get the six-blade executive razor plus trial sizes of shave butter, body cleanser, and one-wipe Charlies. Then keep the blades coming for a few bucks more a month. Partner? Mm-hmm. I'll take you up on that offer. Thank you kindly. All right. Well, if you go to dollarshaveclub.com slash check, you can get that for $5 exclusively at dollarshaveclub.com slash check. So you're saying I just need to check that I have typed in dollarshaveclub.com and then I'm done. No, nope, you to check. go to dollarshaveclub.com slash check. I don't know why I'm struggling with that one. Well, thank you kindly. Yep. You can get it all. I use it. You use it. I mean, oh, Griffin. I'm talking to Griffin, who is here. Yeah. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> yeah. We we've both gotten we we both gotten the starter kit. Uh. Yeah. I mean, you know, I I'm, I'm. I don't know if we have as big a problem as Sam Elliott clearly has. I'm a stubble man. You know, I had a stash once for vinyl. <laughs> oh, I know. I really loved your work on vinyl. <laughs> you watched vinyl? Of course, every episode, uh, okay. four times. Okay, Sam, I got some good sarsaparilla out in the kitchen if I'll just <laughs> escort you out, okay? Oh, sure. Hey, wait, wait. Why are you pushing me? Come on. Yes. Out of here. Out of Esther, here. open the door. <laughs> oh, my God. That guy smelled terrible. Yeah, I know. Yeah, We're going to need to air it out. Can you turn on the ventilator, He's Ben? He's like living oh, in the woods. <laughs> yeah. I'll turn on the ventilator. No Thanks. problem. Thanks. He's been using leave, leaves as toilet paper. I mean, a fine actor, but what an awful You're butt that guy leaves has. leaves as toilet paper. But then it seemed like he wasn't wiping it away. He was just rubbing it deeper into the butt. Yeah, he doesn't know how to wipe. He invented right, it. Sam Elliott will it. sue us uh, for that. Um, let's talk about I'll Do Anything. Okay. So James L. Brooks, in the time in between, has created one of the biggest TV shows of all time. Yes. And now he comes back to the big screen, to the silver screen. He's, he says, I'm going to make a musical, an old-fashioned movie musical. That's a parody. That's a parody of movie making. Right. Like the Hollywood, but not like movie making on a set, like the development process. Right. Very excessive. That Nobody is, cares about. I was about. not expect. Like, I right. Mean, you thought I, it'd be on a set or something. Yeah. I like, yeah. I was not expecting that. You don't get on a set until minute 100 of this sure, movie, right? Right. Just the, the, the third like, act. The yeah. sitcom. And right. it's a sitcom set. Right. Yeah. Um. He was given forty million dollars. Uh-huh. He hired Twyla Tharpus's choreographer. Twyla. He hired Twerped he, again. 
<laughs> he hired Carol King, Prince, and Sinead O'Connor to write songs for mm-hmm. him. Uh, they made the movie with the songs in them. Now, so like, was Nick, Nick Nolte dancing? Yep. No, okay. Apparently, wait, but apparently, I think Nick Nolte only, only has one number. Only, right? and he like talks. So it, it's like, it's like Lee Marvin and Paint Your Wagon. There's, it's like oh, okay. There's a really God, funny. <laughs> there's a really funny LA Times article that sort of talked about this that like had this really mean description of Albert Brooks's voice. Um, <sighs> yeah, I mean, okay. Let's cast a musical. A musical, a, a medium that's based on, uh, you know, pleasing, comforting singing voices. Who should be our three leads of the film? <laughs> Albert Brooks, Julie Kavner, and Nick Nolte. <laughs> um, Let's run sandpaper this, across a concrete floor. This story, which is sort of about, like, the hunt for the prince bootlegs, uh-huh. um, said, and I quote, Brooks's singing voice has been de- described charitably as gravitating towards a Jimmy Durante or Tom Waits end of the gravelly scale okay. and less char- charitably as uh, as an Oscar the Grouch affectation. Because he's he's up in the gravel in this movie. He's going even gravelier. He's very than gravelly. Yeah, he's very There's gravelly. also one lingering shot of his left leg yep. oh. like with the thigh in the foreground. And you're like, give his me some tuchus. Left leg. You're so close yeah. to the tuchus. Mm. He's wearing. I was going to say something else. I don't want to say it. Say it. Say it. Say it. Say it. It was just like I mean he he's in sort of weird states of undress throughout he the movie. Is. Correct. He is. He there, is. There's some revealing pants that I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah. He was huh. in his. He was about 46 when he made this movie. Uh huh. But you're right. It's like one thing to say I'm going to make a movie musical, and it's the second thing to say the stars are Nick Nolte, Albert Brooks, and Julie Kavner, with like Jolie Richardson is like. The fourth to fifth lead, depending right. on where you put the kid. Yeah. And, uh, um, can you imagine if he had the three of them harmonized together? Oh, it'd be like, it's just two. Uh, <laughs> three, three, three people whose voices you could charitably describe as honking. It would sound like Metal Machine music, the Lou Reed album. Correct. This, this film that he made, yeah. that, to be clear, it exists. This isn't some Zack Snyder Justice League cut. They made, they, they, there's a full cut of the movie with the musical numbers. They screened numbers. it. And this movie. They screened it for test audiences. Uh, Julie Kavner was there, of course, yeah. running the, the test screening. <laughs> yes, of course. And they gave it like F minus or whatever. Right. And James L. Brooks said it like nearly destroyed his soul. And he went back. He cut out all the musical numbers. He wrote a bunch of new stuff. And he did extensive reshoots. Uh, yeah, uh, yes, he did some reshoots, but he also said, "I conceived the story as a musical because musicals have heightened sense of reality." Uh, but even before any music, I had a complete script. I wrote it like any script; the songs could be lifted out of it. Which to me is like you fucked up making your music. Agreed. Right? That's not how you make a musical. No. But I mean, I think watching it, you can sort of there's this. Okay, so there's this like Hans Zimmer score, which sort of like swells at certain moments. Mm-hmm. Sure. So hey, you can sort classic of classic collaborator Hans Zimmer, by the way. Yes. But you and you can sort of. Tell like when they're supposed I to be agree. numbers some of the times. And it doesn't totally make sense. Like you're watching and you're like, is there supposed to be a mu- like was there supposed to be a musical number here? Like that wouldn't be where you'd put a musical number. I think like like the big test screening yes. thing, like I think that whole sequence is supposed to be like a chorus number, but like I don't know. There there is one of the post post oh, Jesus Christ, why can't I speak English anymore? One of the post coital Kavner Brooks scenes. Yeah feels like it's the prelude to a song. I think there's also one of the scenes at the beginning, like one of the things at the beginning with Tracy Ullman, mm-hmm. it like seems like there's supposed to be, you know, when she's sort of saying like, 
um, like right before they decide to get married, and yeah. th- it sort of swells. I can I can I read something else from this article, Please. which is um sort of interesting. The main theme was supposed to be a song called "Wow." Um, <laughs> it was written by Prince, and it was there were six different reprises of this throughout the movie. Six and the chorus. Hey, Albert Brooks is here, and the chorus. <laughs> Yeah, you think you can do the song six times, he but you actually, can't, Nemo. Okay. <laughs> the, the lyrics of the song were, wow, this is crazy. Wow, this is wild. If there ever was a time for reaction, baby, the time is now. Seems like we're spending most of our lives just waiting for the Big Bang. Extraordinary stuff that makes us say extraordinary things like wow. And then this article says, um, one of them, one of the versions of this song um, accompanies a childbirth scene so i assume it would be like tracy allman giving birth mm-hmm. in which this wow in which wow was replaced by ow um esther i couldn't really <laughs> process the lyrics you read could you do that five more times <laughs> then i think wow, i would get this it this is crazy wow this is wild <laughs> so there there are two contradictory things here okay one is i think we're all in full agreement. If you design a musical that can totally work without the musical numbers. You probably made a bad musical. Right. Yeah. yeah. But also, not just that I feel you can sense when a scene is supposed to end in a musical number in this movie. Not just is there like those clear ramp up yeah. scenes. But also, I feel like the pitch of the actor's performances change. Oh, totally. Because you can feel them starting to pivot into having to sing in 15 seconds. Yeah, I mean, there's a sort of like, yeah, there's like a, in addition to the swelling of music, there's like a swelling of emotion. Like They become very can, declarative. I, I don't right. have like any, I tried to write it down, but I, and I don't have like any moments in my notes, but like, yeah, there, there, there's the sort of like, I'm about to burst into song, like yeah. tone that happens. And it's super weird to watch. But beyond all of that, I also think this movie is missing certain emotional beats that were meant to be carried by songs. Right. But on the other hand, like from what everything that I've heard about the songs is that they were like, okay, this is the problem with doing musicals where you just like throw a bunch of songwriters together. And like, you know, it it sounds like they were so generic that they weren't actually, and this is how you could rip them out of the song. They were so generic that you could like, you know, that any of the lyrics were just like, who knows? Like this isn't, you know, this is nothing. That's what's weird is I feel like by all accounts, these songs were not plotty at all. So no. it's not like wow. there are any story beats that are missed by wow. by removing that. Wow. 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 Oh, Ben's shaking his head? You don't like that? No, it's great. Okay, get ready for way more of that. Yeah. Um, but I feel, right, so you're not missing like story beats, but I feel like there are emotional beats where it's like, we missed the part where these two characters got this close. And that was probably sold through them singing together. Yeah, all the relationships stuff. Don't totally make sense. Yeah, like the, yeah, the Julie Kavner, Albert Brooks thing doesn't really make sense. I mean, I guess we'll eventually get to describing the plot of this movie. But like, you know, the the, the turn at the end with Julie Richards and like makes zero Zero sense. We'll we'll get to that. It's crazy. It's like insane. But like, it's like, yeah, it's like all these things maybe... I mean, and it's hard to know whether that was in song or whether that was just in the cutting room floor. The fact that this thing was like chopped up so many times and then like Frankenstein back into a movie. But I have to think it was. I mean, he said like his whole reason to want to do a musical was that he loved the idea of like people at breaking points where they are so overcome with one kind of emotion or another that they have no choice but to sing. That's the only way to express it. So do you think he like sings during that like scene where he yells at the development guy? 
Like, maybe that's the thing. It's like, it feels like. Like, so instead of just like, or like, I mean, that's Nick Nolte, but instead of like Albert Brooks just like yelling, it's just right. like, <laughs> it's just like him singing. Right. That's crazy. That's wild. I mean, it's just like everything that I sort of read with him, I can't remember like an exact quote that like mm-hmm. would put this in context, but it seems like he sort of theoretically wanted to make a musical, but didn't actually, but didn't actually right. know, either know how or like really understand what making a musical would mean or he do. He wanted to make an anti-musical. And I feel like it's a thing people have tried to do and no one's ever pulled off. It's like, Don't hire screen. like Twyla Tharp the if you want to make a like, thing is what, so radical musical. Bizarre. But he says, he, he also you can says hire like. hire Twyla Tharp if you want to make a radical musical. Like she does weird stuff. No, I mean, fair enough. You're you're right. I mean, on I'm going to defend sure. Twyla. Well, I, love, I, just, I, I just saw, I I Twyla. Just saw a Twyla performance. Which, oh, oh, just at the Joyce, yeah. No, she but was there. It was I, great. I mean like, He's trying to blow it out. Like it sounds yeah. like from what he's hired, he's making big dance yeah, numbers. No, he's like trying to he's do trying an, to make an old fashioned studio do, music. Yeah, now. he's not trying to do something like I don't know. Once or yeah, like, exactly. or right. you know, what's the one with Anna Kendrick? Last five years. Yes, exactly. Which doesn't work, right. but no. But I, um, I say anti musical in that other than the musical numbers, nothing about it tips its hat to being a musical. Right. Right. I mean, like it's just. I mean, no. If you want to make a musical, you have to. Like, you have to, it just doesn't seem like he knew, like, really understood the form in any way to actually do it. And this is also the movie that I would argue kind of ruins James L. Brooks's filmmaking aesthetic. Because you have, the first two movies have a a, a kind of tactile viscerality to them. Yeah. And far more, like, kind of metered performances. Very occasionally choosing to go for, like, a bigger comedic swing. And then this, even just the look of it becomes a lot glossier. The performances become a lot bolder. And it right. feels like they have to make up to, like, get from the Brooks script to the Twyla numbers. Right, of course. Because if you were making right. a musical, you would have—it wouldn't be so weird to have a heightened performance Suspension that we're matching. disbelief is like— Yeah, because you're— Mandatory, you're, right. Yeah, you have—like—that's how it works. Yeah. They recut the movie to pieces. They reshoot a bunch of it. It comes out, and people still shrug, and it makes no money. Huge bump. And it becomes one of those questions where it's like, should they have just released the original version? I mean, it's not like they saved anything by by cutting it. That's the question with so many of these things, right? It's like, right, what are you salvaging, really? Just release it. Like Roger it Ebert liked it though. He liked it. It didn't actually get terrible reviews. No. It, it got it like shrugged. mixed reviews. Right. right. Yeah. And um But it know, cost forty mil, it made like ten. 10 yeah. Yeah. Uh obviously no no awards traction. No. And, uh, you know, there are work prints that have circulated around of the musical cut. I tried valiantly to get my hands on one before this started. Uh, he said that he wants to reconstruct it and put it out along with the documentary. But the problem is apparently the songwrites are impossible. Yes, too expensive. Yeah. I, because I, they were all I mean, owned is, independently. There, are, there is right. like one of the bootleg print songs like available. He's to released a couple to. of yeah. them on different compilations and B-sides and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But because they were all, yeah, different artists and they retain the rights to their own songs. I wouldn't like to watch, like, I would genuinely, like, not like to watch. I mean, I, I'd, I'd be interested to see it, but I wouldn't want him to, like, spend too much time, like, reconstructing it or trying to make it work. Because, like, that's a waste of time. However, like, I actually think a documentary about this is sort of like, Mer- uh, what was that documentary about Merrily We Roll Along? Like, uh, yeah. The worst, best, best worst idea like, we ever had. Like, that, that would be, like, I would watch that. That Me would too. be really interesting. I would love to, I would watch, love that. to watch that. Because also just as a window <laughs> into, like, mid-90s, like, studio filmmaking. Yes. Right, because it's, and I mean, I think, too, that's the other weird thing about this movie is, like, it is, it is a parody of this development process 
But, like, it's still, it's a different time. It feels alien in some ways. Very much so. This whole thing, like, the whole, the whole thing that he's parroting feels, like, different, so different. And so, like, something that doesn't really register on any scale. Well, like, Albert Brooks is playing Joel Silver. And he's playing Joel Silver at a very particular moment. Yeah. Yes. And it's, like, a very specific encapsulation of a moment in time for how Hollywood ran. And it's not like all of that's out the window. It's not like... All of it was unprecedented before then. Yeah. Or none of it has lingered, but there's like something very time capsule about what it's parodying. Right. And it's like, it's a weird, it would be interesting to sort of delve into that and like what he was really trying to get at here. I mean, it's. Yeah. This is the same. Well, no. When's when's last action hero? 95? Or is it 94? 93. Okay. Right. Because it was the Jurassic Park year right i mean like um, the, the shots of like, like people going through like the te- like the test screening right. and like counting yeah. that way yeah but like that's really that's sort of that was sort of interesting to me because it was oh, like because yeah. it's like that's like a glimpse into this weird process and this weird point in time with but but still the rest of it like there's no context for it i doubt even an audience then would you know i mean it's so behind the scenes no, but, but my point is like there were so many movies there were a lot of movies right around now that uh-huh. were making fun of like Hollywood and like the popcornization of like studio Hollywood they in this weird way. And they all flop. No one cared. Yeah. Like like the player is beloved. Sure. But it's not a huge financial success. Right. But that, yeah, right. That is an arch clever movie. Right. right. Tropic yes. Thunder is kind of the only movies about, the only movie about movie making that is full on successful um, financially. Because it was yes. like when that came out and they were like, I can't believe they let him make a hundred million dollar inside baseball movie. There's actually right. another movies one. always fail. What's America's Sweethearts. Oh, yeah. Was actually a hit. <laughs> Which is also all I about mean, junkets. It's like I very. Know. But that's like the most inside. Well. It could have done better, yeah. but it yeah. was a hit. Yes, that's true. Um, those are the only obvious ones to me, like Bowfinger, but that's sort Did of, okay. you know, that's sort of, uh, it's also great. A, a hijinks right. comedy, you know, with like, uh, a of, burn Hollywood burn is like a noted disaster. Well, yeah. Burn Hollywood burn. You're going <laughs> to yeah. bring that up. Right. I'm saying that, that this, it, but it's yes, you're right. Lots, lots of those kinds of movies. Very fertile territory. Um, I'll do anything. So it's time to talk about the plot of I'll do anything. Right, Ben. Mm hmm. Nick Nolte, he plays Matt Hobbs, guys. Matt Hobbs. And his origin story, no, I'm not going to let you stop me. No, I was just going to say, you want to talk about a movie referencing so specific. Right. A moment. The most specific moment. He was nominated in the famous 1980 Emmys that aired during an actor strike, I think. There was a SAG strike and every actor said that they were going to boycott the Emmys. Tracy Ullman is really pissed about it. Only one actor showed up in any category. Is he? He was the only one who showed up for any of Literally. the nominations. Okay, he was the only actor. Who he was up. a fairly young actor at the time. Yes, Powers Booth we recently departed. Yeah, R.I.P. But we know him from what do we know him from? Uh, Deadwood, Sin City, Sin City, so playing a lot of grumpy guys, probably beating Sam Elliott out of a few roles, <laughs> <laughs> right? Or or maybe picking up the crumbs when Sam Elliott's quote was too. Yeah. High. Uh, he was nominated for best lead actor in a limited series against, and it is crazy. Because these are all movie stars. Jason Robards for playing F, like FDR or something. Two-time Academy Award winner. Uh, Henry Fonda and Tony Curtis. Yeah. And Tony Curtis for playing David O. Selznick. Yeah. 
So and then so they just CGI or whatever Nick yeah. Nolte's face as the fifth nominee here. Mm-hmm. Who was the fifth nominee? There wasn't one. Maybe okay. that's why they picked oh, this category. Weird. They could just like plausibly <gasps> squeeze also, him in. But also it was infamous because Powers Booth was He the showed up. He played Jim Jones, yeah. the cult leader guy. Yeah. In some TV movie and he won and he was like, this is either the best or worst decision of my life. Or, you know, like he had like a sort of a joke about it. And it was kind of both. Like he sure. kept working as a character actor. It sort of made him look a little disingenuous, but it also gave him a big platform. It never. He was so new. He had only been in like cruising. Right. Like that was it. He'd like never done anything before. Anyway, Nolte's nominated. He watches at home. He loses. I wonder if they send something to the nominees. Yeah, he's pretty funny about it. He's with his girlfriend, played by Tracy Ullman. Mm-hmm. Um, now, then they decide to get married. Do you know something crazy about? This film is that uh, 1994 Simpsons has been on for about five Five years years at this point. Um, Tracy Ullman sued Fox because she believed that she was entitled to a percentage of the Simpsons and its merchandise. Wow. Which was huge at this time. Right. The Simpsons, which is produced by Gracie Films, James L. Brooks's company. Right. So she did not bring... Gracie Films or James L. Brooks into the lawsuit because the lawsuit was happening while she was making this movie. Wow. And James L. Brooks had to like record a testimony on tape (laughs) and then submit it and not show up in court so that there wasn't like a conflict of interest. Uh, You are correct. And she lost the suit, but was, still she didn't got ju- it. she didn't lose it. It was dismissed. It, it was didn't dismissed, even go to but, court. But she still got a percentage. Um, really? They gave her some percentage. Okay. Okay. For Maybe some that was clear reason. She does continue to get an annual share of the show's profits, so I'm sure Tracy's doing Tracy's okay. Doing <laughs> Tracy's doing fine. Um. So, but what do you think of Tracy Ullman in this movie, Esther Zuckerman? Oh boy. Yeah. I, I mean, she walks unpleasant. a line in any yeah. performance. Yeah. And she's yeah. on the wrong side of the line with this one. Uh, Tracy Ullman, a phenomenal talent. Not someone who is uh, uh, a big fan of naturalism. No. Let's say, and, and it's then not they like do that accent, and it's like right. It, it she's she's giving a sketch comedy performance, right? And the character also is very one dimensional to begin with, right? She's just unpleasant. She right. sucks. The, what is she? I mean, she's it's it, she's nothing. She's like shrill lady in quotes, right? right. She's in like, like a like, mother grubbing, money grubbing redneck. In three yeah. scenes, she goes from like kind of annoying girlfriend to like. Pain in the ass wife who won't stop yelling mm. about like their kid and how which, like, big a I fuck mean, up he is, which is fine. Fine, and he's then a big fuck up. C- yeah. criminal, <laughs> like right. who, who has that raised a demon crazy. child. Yes. yes, that reveal that is crazy. Reveal is crazy. Like, yeah. So like, she's suddenly, suddenly she's a white collar criminal. So the opening scene is he watches uh, Powers Booth accept. And he loses the Emmy and that's probably the high point of his career. Right. And yes. she sort of passive aggressively nudges him about well, she, he's putting like, a ring on it. Yeah. He's yeah. like, he's like the only reason that I haven't asked you is because like acting is going to be my everything. Right. And I want you to know this. And like, I you want you to have stability. Yeah. Like I want you to know. So she's like, that's fine. Like, I don't care. I that's one of the things career. I like most about you is how much you love acting. And then she, and then obviously they have a child, they get married, they have a child. And obviously it's like, she hates it because right. he's not because he like won't get up to help the baby because he's right. got like a read like a read through in the morning. Like they or cut something. to like, seven years later and five the, and a half and they, the baby is six oh, months no, no, old. No, no. 
First, they cut to the baby, baby. being a little, which oh, right. is He's like, I think yeah. that's like six months later. That's what I'm saying. They cut right. two. No, that I doesn't make sense. I think it's a number sense, of years. Because oh. if it's 1980, and yeah. I'll do anything except oh, right. 1994. Neither was I. It does not matter. I think it they matter. cut to 1987. It's seven years later. They just had a child. Okay, The yeah. child's six months old. He asks her to go up and take care of the crying baby because he's got a big yeah. reading in the morning. Yeah. yeah. Which is like, so he's probably doing like a reading of a script that is an audition with the hopes that maybe they consider him if the thing ever gets made. Yeah, it's unclear. Right. He's like grasping at straws and she's clearly had it to hear with him. Yeah. Right. And she like cries in his face. Right. And then it just cuts again. Cuts again. Cuts five he's and a half years later. Still is struggling. Time. Right. Still a struggling actor. She's a long gone. She lives in Atlanta. He doesn't yeah. have the Owen Wilson hair anymore. And he goes in for a reading, or he goes into he's going to a production he's, company for some he, reason. He needs a job, right? Well, he know. He I think he knows ahead of he knows ahead of time that yeah. the kid is coming, and he needs money. Yeah, for a visit, and he needs money, right. so he cold calls a. He's met. He met a this D-girl, woman. As yeah. I call them. He's met this woman in, a, in an acting class, and he cold calls her, and she's like, well, they're casting a project right now. I'll do anything if you got anything. Yeah. Right. That's the title of the movie. Right. And that girl is Jolie Richardson. And this is, we should say, the, Kathy. this is the jolliest movie ever made. Uh, is that right? You have Jolie Richardson and Jolie Fisher. True. In the yeah. same fucking movie. And Jolie Kavner? Sorry. Right. Not since Doctor <laughs> Strange had two Benedicts, has one movie... Had two uncommon names, both in their top eight build actors. So he goes in for the audition. He goes in for he the audition. This right. is my favorite scene in the movie. It's really good. Yeah. Yes. This is like, this is the scene where I was sort of like, I'd started this movie. I wasn't sure what the fuck was going on. Right. And I leaned forward and I was like, oh, like, this is, this is like a James L. Brooks moment. Where, yeah. When he's crying in the audition, you know, when he's yeah. giving this really intense audition. Yeah, right. he like has like two pages and he's the director, Ian McKellen. Played, played by Ian McKellen as John Earl McAlpine. And uh-huh. he's got like jawed furs and a hat, you know, yeah, like he's it, playing like a parody of a British director like guy. Half of a pair of glasses, right? I don't know. Um, Either my TV screen is broken or he is holding one spectacle and one arm. <laughs> In his hand. I did not notice that. Like a monocle. Okay. Maybe my TV's broken. Or maybe it's that thing with the glasses, the magnet glasses. Yeah, I was getting like, oh, together. Yeah, right. That. I think it's probably that. And he does this read that's well, like. he's like, he's first like, I need to like, you know, I need to, can I read the whole script first? Right. And they're like, no. And Brooks is giving him the, the interview of like, no, we make popcorn movies here. Yeah. Popcorn. Right, right. Because he's like, let's just uh, do the interview and then we'll have you read. And he's like, can we skip the interview part? I don't like that. And he's like, you don't want to interview? Fine. Here's the role. The role's yours. Are you kidding? No, I'm not kidding. I make popcorn movies. Brooks has like a 15 minute monologue where he just like negates everything he says. What do we think? Of, it's just bombast. What do we think of Albert Brooks in this movie? It's too much. It's weird casting. It's yeah. too much. I think he's kind of bad. And like, I bad. love him. I do too. And I love Brooks. It's the first movie he's made since broadcast news. No, no, no. He'd made Defending Your Life in yeah. between. Right. He also made The Scout this year, which is like a pretty cute movie in my memory. The Fraser picture? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he makes Mother a couple years after that. This yeah. is sort of like the twilight of his yeah. Uh, movie star career, right. I right. guess. I mean, he's really kind of put the emphasis more on his own films, and he takes a while in between films. Yeah, and he's just chilling out, Yeah, right? I mean, yeah, he does voices on The Simpsons sometimes. That's it. Like, and, he really is just chilling out. And they cast him as Joel Silver, and like, Ron Silver plays Joel Silver in True Romance. 
Ron Isn't he Silver essentially playing Joel, Joel Silver, Silver in that film? Sure. I think he is. Yes. And like, uh, what's the other one I'm thinking of? You know, you could you could go like, oh, like casting like a Michael Lerner type. That makes sense. Sure. As a right. Joel well, Silver. He, Barton Fink was right. Was Someone plays a Joel Silver analog and gets shorty as well. Okay. Like, th- there are people who have done successfully at this point in time because he was such a big figure. And then you hire Albert Brooks, who is so vulnerable and so neurotic. To play this guy who's like no filter, all bluster. Right. And they don't change his look at all, which is kind of distracting because Albert Brooks has such a defined persona at this point. That's true. He's usually a nebbish and in this one he's playing like a ball buster. Right. And I'm like, can we just put sunglasses on him? (laughs) Could he grow some stubble? Could we like put him in leather? Like it just feels like when he's wearing like a decent shirt tucked into nice slacks. (laughs) Leather Daddy Brooks. And then he just starts acting like an asshole. I'm just like, yeah, Leather Daddy Brooks. (laughs) <laughs> well, he's an asshole. We get that right away. Yeah. His uh his company, his shingle is called Popcorn, Popcorn Pictures, Pictures in case you don't get it. Um and he has Nolte read. And he tur- Nolte like Nolte, turns like, around. Nolte like reaches into his soul. And like yeah. gives this emo- it's like a some it's like their bra- it's a breakup scene. Something like that. Yes. There's and- this pause where Brooks is like, "Why didn't you do the quack?" Yeah. You got a quack. And he's like, why would I quack? quack? It's in the script. You have to quack. And then he's like, because it's a comedy. Yeah, right. It's not a comedy. And then all the trailers in 5,200 theaters are wrong. They already have a teaser out, but they haven't hired the guy. They say the part works tomorrow. Yeah. But Nolte does a really fucking good job. Like his acting as the character within the scene is so impressive. Right. It's like kind of what you want out of like movies like La La Land. Where it's like you sure. want the scene at the beginning. La Land almost I was, does honestly, it. Honestly, I was thinking about this like on the way here that this is like that Albert Brooks, no, not Albert Brooks, James Albert sort of wanted to make La Land. Yeah, he it did. This is La La Land. Right? Yeah, true. Except he also just had a lot of dumb ideas about like there's a kid and there's, right, you know, like there's too much right. other stuff in the right. soup. And we haven't even gotten to the craziest idea he has in this film. Uh, what's the craziest idea he has in this film? Uh, Julie Kavner's prescription cocktail that makes her impervious to lies. I I mean, yeah, well, we're about to get to that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Julie Kavner, Nan. She plays a lady called Nan. She's got liar, liar disease. She has liar, liar disease. She's <laughs> right. Incapable of uh, bullshit. It's so, insane. Yeah. So he he leaves. He's trying to get in his car. Oh, but it's this devastating yeah. scene where he has essentially like laid himself bare in, fr- yeah. in, in this like already embarrassing situation to like read in front of the producers. And, and Brooke says and to they're him, like, like, look, oh, you're wrong for this. You're but right. For you this, got but something. I'll bring you. back. Yeah, let's 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 have you back for something. And else. so he says that's Jolie Richardson and all the other D people are like, ooh, who's that guy? Why so was he thinking the D girls are Jolie Richardson, Jolie Fisher and Hayes and Hayes and Vicki Lewis of yeah. News Radio. Quite uh, a murderer's row. Yeah. Yes. And then one guy that who kind so of looks familiar. like Josh Brolin. No, no, no. What's his But name? who is yes. he? I was trying to figure he also it looks out. looks a little like Lauren he's Dean. In, he's, I, I meant to look this up before we got here. I scoured IMDb trying to figure out who he was. Okay, I'm going to try to get a cup of coffee while you're oh my God. He needs his cup guy. of coffee. Yeah. Is it Jeb Brown? Could it be Jeb Brown? I think it no, is. Think- it's Jeb Brown. Yep. This guy. All right, well, I'm going to take this opportunity to talk a little bit about the fashion since we're just like taking a yeah, break here for-, for, for Griffin to come back and discussing the plot. This is the worst, worst You're unloading. representation of 90s fashion. Just wow. big, like, boxy, pillowy slacks. Yeah, pillowy slacks. Yes. 
shoulder pads, just bad fabrics, bad ensembles. I uh, bad haircuts. This is the really worst. not great hair. This oh, is the, hair like Julie Kavner's haircut is rough. Yeah. Um, I remember thinking in that read scene when Nick Nolte's like standing there, like that it was crazy. His pants were crazy. It was insane because they're like very big. Yeah. When he moves, you can sort of like there's a whole like atmospheric like, shift happening. In the his pants. crotch, like the it's it's like there's just there's more crotch than there are like pants. They're yeah. the equivalent of his legs. I would like to <laughs> I would like to counter this with saying one thing about the fashion. Sure. The kids' fashion is really cute. Yeah, the yes. kids pretty cute. They 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 have some like fun sort of like blossomy like punky Brewster ish layering. I like it. I like it. You know, a lot of a lot of layered dresses. It's it's cute. I think I think that works. So then let's say we'll say the adults' fashion. The adults' fashion is very bad in this movie. Great. Uh, we're talking about the fashion in the movie, Griff. I, I have some bad news. Yeah. Um. Sam Elliott, his wife, did but alongside the entirety of the audio bill. Yeah. <laughs> I saw, I caught a glimpse when he opened the door of just yeah. sort of a, a line. It looks like a racing stripe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you're talking about the fashion of the movie. Yeah, it's interesting. It's bad. <laughs> so Except bad. for the kid. I think the, the kid's got kid's, a great kid's got a good look. look. She's got a great sense of style. So have we gotten up it's to the, the kid only yet? good thing no. about the kid. This movie is also shot Sorry. by Michael Bauhaus, who's like a great DP. And it's yeah. all like orange glow you know like even yeah. in even in the, his crappy apartments right. you know it's like this very old-fashioned look and and he shot uh broadcast news he uh-huh. also shot i mean a lot of the fastbender films and a lot of the scorsese, a lot of scorsese movies. movies so yeah. i will say the scene in the test screening in the valley is like the color palette that like i associate with the valley in the there 90s, you go. which is where i grew up sure like, sure there's right. It's got that kind of like uh, a Grand Canyon scenes from a mall, Mixed like nuts. a yeah. little too shiny. That's like it's like the image I have of like this Sherman Oaks Galleria before it became like nice. Sure. I'm talking about America's number one favorite streaming service. Okay. Netflix, take a hike. Hulu, Pokemon Go hit the streets. <laughs> Amazon Prime Video. Great company. Great company. Never done anything wrong. But if we're looking to stream video, there's one type of entertainment that I like watching on demand. And it's that entertainment star in Beachbody's. Beachbody on demand? Yeah. The online fitness streaming service that gives you unlimited access to a wide variety of high effective world-class workouts? I mean, some people use it for that. I just like watching it. It's my favorite type of programming. It's good content. Uh, Do you have another angle that you want to pitch? Well, you're saying that your favorite TV show is Insanity? Yeah. Or 21 Day Fix? Yeah. Three-week yoga retweet? Yeah, those are some of my favorite shows. <laughs> retweet? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you should retweet this ad. Um, well, so you're telling me that you've been using Beachbody On Demand, who are friends of the show, uh-huh. just to watch some entertaining TV. Yeah, I'm saying that's a valid reason to sign up for this service. If you just, if you go, I like unscripted television, but I don't want this overdramatic, these sort of like forced plot lines. I just want well, to see people getting cut. Okay, all right. So I've been getting into yoga, uh-huh. and uh, they have a, a few different yoga workouts um, that you could just do at home, and it's been really great. I actually have been getting into a routine of doing it a few times a week, and it's really been helping me get in better shape, feel better. Right, but that's pretty weird. I mean, most people just watch it for the TV, right? right? You go like, oh my God, is he going to pull off the pose he did? Not you too, David. No, I've been using it to keep in shape too. He's a weirdo over there. I don't know. Yeah. 
Um, no, Beach Body On Demand is convenient. It's accessible on your computer. It's accessible on your web-enabled TV, your tablet, your smartphone. Amazon Kindle phone. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to go to a gym. You don't have to schedule a class. You can do it all in your room. You can do it in your hotel room if you're traveling. Which is great if you don't like talking to people. Uh, I love talking to people personally. I like to talk to people while I do my Beach Body On Demand workouts. It's well, affordable. Then you're going to miss important plot details if you're... Fair. And you can... You can access up to 600 different kinds of workouts. It has nutritional information. Nutritional information. Uh, and here's the crazy thing. Yeah. All for free. Uh, you need to give this a try. Ah! <laughs> what the fuck just happened? <laughs> that was crazy. That's the craziest thing that's ever happened on the show. Ever. Uh, right now, blank check listeners can get a free trial membership if they text check to 303030. You get full access to the entire platform for free. All the workouts, all the nutritional information. You gonna sneeze again? Okay. Oh, okay. Just text check to thirty thirty thirty. Yeah. And uh, you can use beach. Body. And I'm just gonna say, if you love Stranger Things, you will go bananas for P90X. It's very similar. When I was gone, did you cover the uh, the show four offer? Well, so no. that okay. that's what happens yeah. next. Yes. Okay. Albert Brooks wants him to drive him. Albert Brooks' driver is late, and so he wants him Brooks to drive Brooks is like, him. drive me. Then the car shows up, and Brooks is like, drive me in the nice car, not in your junker. And yeah. I'm sorry, who's the driver who... Jake Busey. Jake Busey, our Big good friend. Jake. Ace Levy. And it's weird because they insult Gary Busey in this movie. Too right. he, much teeth. He is, right. He's one of the many actors yeah, they drag in the, in the scene. I, I love that scene, actually. I think the list I of when they're all going down. is good, except yeah. for when Nolte, like, explodes and that's Nolte takes it really I would bad. say a step too far but that's that's Nolte's performance in this movie yeah he's like such a a, a throbbing nerve in yeah. this movie that's otherwise like fairly gentle he's got too much he, he kind of cares too much about the work but it's not that's what a lot of Brooks movies are like right and there's just something here where the tone is being mismanaged that you'll see again in Spanglish yeah and well, not in so much in how do you know? Because everyone's just sort of asleep in that one. But like, you know, in like a Taylor performance where like they have an angle and then he's just like amp it up. Or I something. have not seen Spanglish all the way through, but you were like, I you sort of had mentioned this to me, we and I started. I started. Well, I started watching it sure. last night, um, and I couldn't finish because I had to work. But like, I but yeah, like the Taylor at the beginning of that movie where she's I'm not just mad. going crazy. I'm yeah. not mad. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. Um, there's That's what she said. a lack of specificity to uh, Nick Nolte's career in this movie, or rather his craft, I would say. That doesn't come in until the very end when he's working with the daughter. Right. I mean, I think I mean, I mean, think that's the sort of, you know, he had this one success and you just don't know why he didn't. You, right. don't, you don't understand why he didn't make it. Like, what happened? Like, and there's Jolie nothing... Richardson says that at one yeah. point when they're walking in, they go, who is that guy? They said he got nominated for the, the miniseries, but for some reason, guy hasn't been able to get arrested since. Right, he's in he platoon. was in platoon. He says he walks by a rape scene. That's the joke. And, and it's a joke about Oliver Stone's yeah. intense content. I guess this was the year Natural Born Killers came out. And, and the joke, that but he was like an extra. He was a glorified. It extra. sounds like he was basically. But, but an he extra. originally had a bigger part. They sort of make him had sound a line, but like, he didn't. But like, right. he originally had like a line. Right. He's like and George then, like, Clooney in, in fucking, one of the most right. annoying the red line. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the Jolie Richards Richardson character is like so annoying. Yeah. But in one yeah. of the most annoying things, she's like. Were you going for like a, a mixture of like I don't know? She like interprets his performance in like two seconds, like that she remembered that he was on screen, which like 
Come mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Um, and she like interpreted, she's like, that. he's like, that's exactly what I was going for. And you're like, ugh. Do you know what's a weird thing now that I've been uh, experiencing? Uh, I now like recognize uh, background actors in movies and TV shows hmm. because I've like worked with them. And oh, not like okay. people I've like <laughs> talked to or have relationships no, but with. Like, but it's like you start to see the same people around. Because they do multiple background gigs. Right. And it's just like, oh, fuck. Like that woman going wow in the crowd. Yeah. Is I have amazing. seen that in person. Right. She made her. Um, wow, this is crazy. Yeah. Uh, but it's very rare that like you, one sticks in your memory. Right. I mean, but that's because you've seen them in person. Right. Right. And this movie claims, at least for Jolie Richardson, who has such an eye for talent. Right. That she saw the intent of his walk and well, recognized whole, that's a real actor. Her whole thing is that she, you know, she. She's she, frustrated she's at popcorn frustrated. film. She, she wants like, to make a real movie. She wants yeah. to make a real movie, but she like. You know, she hides her opinions. She's yeah. like not yes. gonna. She's not gonna tell the truth. She goes she, with the herd, and that's the name of the shingle that she wants to work for instead is real movies. She'd like to leave her job at popcorn films and work at real movies Oscar instead. Oscar movies, subtle. Okay, so the kid is next, right? Yeah. Well, kid's pretty early. He he drives. Is Albert the Brooks test to the screening test in between? Uh, I can't yeah, remember. The screening is in between. The kid doesn't show up. I right. think for too long. Because I was gonna I say so right too. there is the there's the test screening scene where he meets Kavner, which I think was a big musical number. It makes sense. I think so. the way they shoot the yeah. crowd shots yeah. feels like they're supposed to go into. I think they're supposed sure. to be singing. Wow. Yes. Uh, um, they, is that where they watch the Woody Harrelson action movie where yes, he says, sorry yes. to bust your chops? Yes. And then he hits somebody it's a, with, it's a, a hits him with a big pork a chop. A meat-based action film. You <laughs> know, one of those. They were big in the 90s. But like, that's Brooks having a line and working a whole idea around it. Mm-hmm. And then the Julie Kavner characters, he's like, who would be like the perfect person to run a test screening? Someone who can't lie. So let me figure out a way like backwards to get into that. So they don't set that up in this scene. And I was really into her character in this scene because well, she busts because she busts his chops because she's like, I haven't seen my daughter in like two like years. Woody Harrelson. Right. Yeah. She's like, yeah, you're sorry, full of I shit. Just, yeah. What do you just, mean you haven't seen your daughter? You can yeah. see your daughter. Like, well, her mom. Right. It's like if you have a child, you have to like, prioritize everything. You move then, heaven and earth. To I'm going to jump ahead. But then the next time she encounters him and they're talking about she, the kid, apologizes. she apologizes. She's like, I'm sorry. I like she had like switched antidepressants or was on like different antidepressants. And she was like, or wasn't taking her antidepressants. I can't remember. But she She's like, I, she blamed it on the drugs. And she was like, I'm sorry. Like, I was feeling weird that day. She's on yeah. a weird balance of pills that now makes her incapable of lying. But her doctors won't let her drop it because they want to use her as a case study. So they're paying her to study why she can't lie. Which never comes in the plot again except no. for the fact that she's very honest. This is what yeah. I'm saying. This is just him finding a back way into having a character who can't lie. Here's another thing you could do. Just have a character who's... Who's bluntly honest. Yeah. 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 yeah no, know, no, no, no. But know, it's like a magic like power. a Julie Kavner type? <laughs> Chill out. <laughs> Take First it down. Can I be Jesus. completely honest? And I'm like, I watch, I took notes in this movie. Like, I sure. watch it carefully. Fair. I miss that. What like, the, I the miss, explanation of her I miss, honesty? I didn't, like, I was, because I wrote down, I literally wrote down, you can see my notebooks, antidepressants? Question mark? Because I think that threw me off so much that then I didn't, like, hear the full explanation about, like, her lying. I rewound it two times. It is Okay, thank you. Thrown I off. felt really bad. I, I, I was just sitting here for a moment and I felt really bad that I was like, oh my God, did I not? But I wrote down antidepressants. I was like, what is this? Maybe it was supposed to be explained uh, more in depth via song, but it's kind of tossed <laughs> off over the shoulder and then Demonic. 
cocktail of meds. Never referenced ever again. Because as she develops this relationship with Albert Brooks, she keeps on criticizing him for saying these mean things to her. That right, he keeps on like, being too honest without consideration for feelings. Yeah, it just And she's make sense. not like, look, I know a little bit about not lying. I medically cannot lie. So those are our characters, right? Now we've explained them all. Or the movie has except for except the kid. For, yeah. And the test screen looks like it goes well, but then Kavner comes out and she's gives like, the numbers. Yeah. It's like actually if you look yeah, it's pretty, and there's pretty this pretty moment meh. when he like sort of swings around a pole where yeah. I'm like, maybe he was supposed to sing then. Right. It's a little it's singing a little in the singing, rain yeah, right. and a tip. But Brooks is is kind of like uh, immediately feeling beaten down, but then he has a moment of connection. He asks Kavner out to dinner at that scene, right? Yes. Yeah. Correct. He, he's like, yeah. do you want to get dinner tonight? Yeah. Okay, so and now. And then the next scene is them in bed together. Like, right. we don't even see the dinner. Right. He's got a weird bed. Oh, yeah. yeah, he does. Weird he, apartment. Right. He's supposed to be rich. Like, I have. It looks like a. Doesn't seem that rich. Big ass like dog bed. Yeah. yeah. It's like a couch. It's like right. circular. It's, it's like the bed combined. that Garfield sleeps in. It's like a box, right? Garfield. It's like perfectly yeah. square. I don't know how you get in and out of that bed. Yeah. And like, they don't show it. Right. And it has like raised you have to edges. Jump. You, have to jump. you have to like dive into the bed. But sure. Maybe it's fun. I don't know. The first time they showed it, dive. I thought it was one of those things where you put two couches together facing each other. Because it's like totally enclosed. Yeah. Do you know what I'm Let's saying? Let's talk about the kid played by Whitney Wright. <laughs> okay, so Nolte gets on a plane. He goes to Tracy Ullman's place and character actor Robert Joy comes out. Oh, that's right. He actually has yeah. to go to, right, of course, he goes to Atlanta. Right. She has a, he, like, he has a call with her and it's like, can't you just put the kid in the plane? And he's like, she's like, no. And that's the call that Brooks interrupts. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. So, so yeah. then he gets here and Robert Joy walks out and he's like, oh, Jesus Christ. God, happy to be out of the house. Thank God you're here. I'm not allowed to smoke around the kid. She's like crazy about it. Right. You you think he's, he's the, the other right, the yeah. other man, right? And uh, the turn of this scene where Tracy Ullman is like, it's not a visit. You actually have to just take the kid. Is the guy being like, oh, I'm a U.S. marshal, and she's going to jail. So I just like to interject. Ben's here to this interject moment because this movie is just like white privilege. Uh, like, yeah, yeah, to a T. Uh-huh. I was saying this off mic before we recorded, and I think this is the best encapsulation of that. That oh, oh, the white mother gets to wait an extra day with the marshal <laughs> at yeah. the house so that the father will show up. Fuck you. Yeah, I mean it, that gets me so angry. You didn't tell him. Yeah, like, like no, fuck. he would be behind her, going like fucking tell him. She would, the, the girl they, would be lost in like foster care system right, already yeah, if right. this was real life. The, kid, the government the, would have notified him. And the yeah. kid is right. the most spoiled brat you've ever met in your oh, entire life. Oh. Or so ever encountered. This is part of what confuses me so much about Brooks's decision making with this movie. Like, because again, it's like, did he decide that Tracy Ullman's character would just be evil? And right, so thus wait, the kid is a pain in the ass. This. Right, because she's not before. The first so, scene she totally tolerates. Does he she just loves. decide, like, well, she needs to be a pain in the ass, but uh, she needs to be awful, otherwise there's no way for me to get the kid to Nolte, right? Yeah. Because, and is that why the kid is then just a nightmare? Why it did is, he decide to make this movie about a kid who's just a nightmare? And she's, yeah. I mean, and, she, and she's, Tracy Ullman is like feeding the kid all this like weird right, garbage. Insane, right, and they have this routine where she's like compromised and they like... Yeah. And it's like strike a bargain where the kid gets right. what she wants or whatever. And also, can I? I if one of Please. the things that baffles me about the kid say anything about that. Is, that. <laughs> the kid is five and a half and can't read. 
Uh, fair point. Yeah. Yes, can't read. Can't read, and yeah. like I don't know. And it's not. It's brought up a lot in the movie, but it's, it's not even of, brought up as like a like bad a, thing. I thought of it like a, it's sort of weird. That this kid is five you know, and a half and can't read. Anything. I mean, some kids can't read that age. You know, between right. four and seven is when you're learning to read. I guess. Okay, maybe I'm. Yeah. yeah. No, okay. I mean, it's sort of like it yeah. was. But it, like, I was an was early little... reader, but I don't want to judge everyone. Yeah, so was I. Uh, <laughs> ben just gave me a great look. Nolte. Uh, assumes that Robert Joy is the boyfriend and he says like, look, do you want to run away with this guy? Oh, because he goes like, I'll bring her back in two weeks. And she's like, actually a little longer. And he's yeah. like, what, you're going on vacation or something? And Robert Joy's like, you fucking, you had one job, tell him I'm going away forever. She committed like a white collar crime or okay. she was like I an have accomplice? The exact line. An I accomplice? Have the exact okay. line. Ready? I loved, helped, and supported in every way possible a businessman who committed the terrible crime of being financially imaginative with a pension fund. Right, okay, yes. Right. Now you said, was this just right. necessary this means Brooks to just get finding to the plot? a plot way think, to do yeah. this? Do you know what other movie does something nearly identical? How do you know? What movie? Old Dog. <laughs> the reason Robin Williams has to take over the kids is because Kelly Preston has not warned him that she's going to jail for an environmental protest. Uh huh. Now I never thought I would compliment Old Dogs on anything. So you're saying that's Old less Dogs sweaty. does a better job. You can have the mother go to jail for reasons that don't make her a terrible person. Sure. Right. But this is this is my question, this chicken egg question. But the, kid, but the child Does he has, want the kid to be evil? I think he evil. wants to be the kid to be evil. Because I, I think because he wants there to be a turn with the kid that like he has to take care right. of the he has to care take care of this nightmare kid. Like I think he genuinely it's otherwise wants. it would just be like a gloppy like dramedy about like a well, cute he kid wants to make who helps him figure also, out his life. But it's right. also because like it, it is Clifford-esque. Like, he's he is, problem childy. Okay, this is what's surprising about this movie and these characterizations mm. is like I thought at the beginning like in the moment when you know he's not getting up to help the kid and he's like my acting is my career that he was going to make him and then when Julie Kavner yells at him like that he was going to make him a bad guy. But you quickly realize after this that he is 100% convinced of his decency. Like, that Matt Hobbs is, like, the greatest guy ever. Like, he his shortcomings are whatever. Sure. That he is a really good guy. So, like, he has so. If he if he doesn't want to believe that the guy is that the guy is bad, then he has to make the kid a fucking nightmare. That's a very good point because right, a it's like the movie feels like it's actually calling him out on his bullshit in the opening scene by not. being like, guess what? Even if you think you're a nice guy, if you haven't seen your kid in two years, you're a bad person. Or like trying to do like if he, it's doing a Hollywood parody, trying to do a parody of like the, the struggling actor who'll do anything. Like right. and he's not, but he's not parodying that. He's not. He's not criticizing this guy in any way. And, you know, there is, like, a certain subgenre of, like, light comedies about men who are not prepared to raise a kid who is dropped off, you know? But, like, those types of movies, your big daddies and your what-have-yous, usually it's like, this man has some growing up to do. He doesn't know how to... Well, what do you eat? Uh, saltines? Like that kind of like. Yeah, but no, this guy is a good guy. He takes to it almost immediately. None of it's on him. It's all that she fucking sucks. She's a bad kid. She Yeah, she gets on the She's plane. She's a bad kid. Immediately. He's doing his hardest. She throws he, tantrums about yeah, she everything. She throws tantrums. She like pretends to hit herself. So the entire plane judges right. him. Yeah. She locks herself in the thing. She screams. Across, she screams so much. Yep. Yeah. She's a devil child. That sequence she is, is kind child. of funny in like a farcy. Way. It's funny it's one time, but one then time. like everything she does Honestly, is this. Sequence, okay, yeah. in my the other thing I wrote in my notes, I, I can't remember when exactly I wrote this, but I was like, is this movie disturbing? It is. Like, well, I think it is. His yeah. treatment because then when his treatment when he's of her, then in apartment in the apartment, right? 
And he's like, you can sleep in the bed or you can sleep over there, like near me if you want to sleep near me. And she's like, here. And you're like, okay, all right, maybe this is settling down, right? And then the next day is him like dropping her off at well, like he, the downstairs I mean, neighbor. I what Ben said about like the white privilege. Right, he's he literally just, just like, the, the he Hispanic knocks on the door, door and is like, can you take this child? Yeah. I, I've and, seen you in the laundry room. I see you have a lot of kids. I guess you know how to deal right, with kids. Right, and she's like, well, I'm always here. Ben's just shaking. It's, it's, it, it it's, it's, it's like, yeah, it's like, it's literally, and she's like, yeah, I guess, okay, which is also mind-blogging, like, right. mind-blogging. It's mind-blogging. Honest it's to mind blog, blogging. it's mind-boggling. Honest to blog. And then he like goes upstairs, here's the kids, here's screen Screaming again, goes downstairs thinking like, God, God, I've dumped this nightmare kid onto yeah. uh, my neighbor. And then it opens the door and it's like, no, her kid is screaming. And he's like, but, Phew. Even, but then there's other stuff where he like where he has to take the kid back. And he's literally like holding her like like upside down. And sure. Just, like, and you she's know. like, I don't want to go back with you. Yeah, I mean, she's. I'm sorry. We just brushed she's over. Been horribly raised. One yes. of the three craziest things that happens in this movie. What? Okay. He leaves. He's gone for what? A minute or two? Sure. When he hears the, screaming, the screaming and yeah, runs yeah, yeah. back upstairs, right. he sees that it's this woman's son, yes. one of her children, yeah. crying instead. And she goes, he goes, oh, I'll take her back. And he goes, actually, could you leave her here a little longer? My son fell and he's crying and she's the only one he lets hold her. Right. Right. So it's sort of like it's been two minutes and it's sort of like. That happened this- over the course of 120 seconds that the only way to stop him from crying is this. Little girl who's an inch taller than him. <laughs> and like, from what we know, a terrible what, child. What? What? <laughs> Chill out, Griffin. <laughs> it's very strange. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. But that also now allows him to go and live his life with total freedom and impunity because it's like any scene where the kid's not there, it's because he's. He dropped it off. Like, right. He, he's off the hook. Yeah. Like he's got yeah. a sort of pro bono babysitter at all and hours. That's, and that's like the other confusing thing about this movie. It's like if he wants to make a movie that's about like kid, raising a kid right. and a parody of like the development process, why not have the kid there? And and it's like the movie will go through a stretch of like 15 or 20 minutes where it's like, oh, because we have like a Nolte scene, a Jolie scene, and like a Kavner Brooks scene back to back. Now we just haven't seen the kid for 15 or 20 minutes. Who's like ostensibly the impetus for, for the entire plot. Right. So, I mean, he continues to struggle to let teach this kid to be a fucking human being. But it's like he doesn't even spend that much time with the, ch- with no. the kid. There's like the first half hour of this movie, I was kind of into it. I liked the audition scene. Me I too. thought it was going somewhere. Once the kid shows up, the plot disappears from the movie. There's no, it's just like a and bunch the, of shit the happening. The next thing I have in my note is like the scene where, with the list of actors where he's There's like. There's that scene. Because right? yeah, so he's, he's now like, just hanging around at Popcorn Pictures as like a chauffeur. he's like sort of the driver. Right. But now, like, this is where the movie just starts to feel like a movie that had a bunch of musical numbers cut out of it that doesn't cut together. Yeah. Right. Like where it's just like a bunch of ideas like that scene, like the scene with Julie Kavner and Albert Brooks at the restaurant. Yeah. Like where it's just like. Here's an idea about, you know, like, here's a Hollywood sketch for you. I mean, you the know? next thing that really happens is, like, she wants to make, the, like, Jolie Richardson wants to make, make Mr. Mr. Deeds. Deeds Coast to Down. Right, she's 10 years early on an Adam Sandler movie. Yeah, yeah which is, it, it's crazy now yeah. that this movie is kind of, like, it doesn't make any sense because you know that Mr. <laughs> Deeds was remade into, like, 
a fucking dick and balls comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but she wants to make this like, you know, and, and he, she, it's after, so he goes, there's that big scene where he blows up, like he, the male number, whatever, male Je- Jeb or whatever his name was. We Jeb, figured it these out. are some of the best guys out there. Yeah, yeah they're Jeb like, Tommy like Jones, shit, you know. Jeff Daniels, beanpole. <laughs> Which is a weird, that was the strike against Jeff sure. Daniels at the time? James Spader was vanilla, yeah, which is like crazy. He is the opposite so of much vanilla. spice. Yeah. <laughs> Too much. I mean, I love Spader, but that's what he's known for is like just paprika everywhere. Yeah. Right. Um, And then he, and he, and Nolte goes crazy. Yeah. Yells it all. And the guy goes like, hey, you know, how about you stay out of my business? He goes, that's the problem. This is my business and, and you're, you're in, in it. it. Right. And everyone like freaks out. They're like, you know. Yeah. He thinks like, oh, fuck, I've ruined myself. I'm fired. And then Vicky Lewis comes after him. And it's like, no, stay, please. Yeah, and everyone's like, oh, this is fine. And the D guy is like, are you going to beat me up? And he's like, no, I'm not going to beat you up. And then up. this, like, inspires Jolie Richardson to, like— She sees the fire in her. Yeah, to, like— To put him in a Mr. Deeds remake? Right, she, like, she goes to— she, well, she, goes to Al- she goes to Albert Brooks, and she's like, like, I need this. Like, I need to make this— right. There's this project that I've been wait, developing. Wait, guys, we didn't talk about the sex scene. No, 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 that happens after this. Is that after? That yes. happens after okay. this, because yeah, I right. want to talk about the sex scene, because it's oh, like yes. some, one of the most upsetting sex scenes I've ever seen <laughs> yes. in my the, entire life. It's the life. prequel to the Spanglish sex scene. <laughs> but but there's he, a, another thing that happens before that that's even more upsetting, but we'll get to that very shortly. She, uh-huh. So she she goes to Albert, she's like, I need this, like, I need this in my yeah, life. She gives him the hard I'm going to die, basically, And he's into it. He's like, yeah, this is what I'm looking for. And yeah. basically, like, she's she goes to Matt, and she, basically, he's her only guy. Yeah. He's the only guy. He's the only guy testing. She calls him. She's like, "Great news! I'm finally oh, going to make you, a movie." I do want. I know what you want to say? What, you, what you want to talk? Okay, he go, she goes to his house. Well, first she calls and says, "Okay, who do you want me to play?" Because deeds, of course, Longfellow deeds. Well, send me the script. Fuck that! I'm bringing it over right now. Yeah. No, she couriers it over. She goes. To she the, comes in person. She comes in Does person. Okay, yes, yes, because the craziest. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Second yeah, yeah, yeah. craziest part of this yeah. movie. Number one is. The kid only being able to stop crying when a six-year-old holds him. Uh-huh. Number two is, drops off the script, is so excited about it, and then the daughter pulls Jolie Richardson down with Herculean strength to her level, yeah. kisses her square on the lips and for says, a I love long you. period of time and says, I love you. Very weird. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> not not revisited. Nope. Although no, no, that time I, a, a five-year-old sexually maybe, assaulted a grown woman. Maybe there's some germ of an idea that Brooks has where it's like these are parallel characters because they're like both kind of like Hollywood superficial people I don't know her connection to the kid is continually weird the entire time because at some point it's like right because the idea is Jolie sees something in the kid maybe the kid actually likes her but then the kid calls her poopy Kathy at one point right because it's like is this now going to become the new mother figure there's the earlier scene where Nolte's talking to Jolie Richardson and he goes like so are you just totally wonderful and it's like okay so they're going to fall in love that's clear where this movie's going they're two people with integrity in an industry that doesn't value it so it's like maybe yeah so it's unclear what's happening there and then is the scene where she he, he's like, I'll come to you after I've read the script. Right. And there's a sign on the door. Which he does immediately. Right. And there's a sign on the door that's like, if you loved it, enter. If you didn't, you know. If you didn't love like it. Like, knock or something. Right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. she enter, and he, he enters. enters. Yes. And she, he's like, wandering the house. And then she runs by fully front, full, full frontal nude. n- yes. nudity. Just and, totally nude. And then 
And she's like, oh. I'm trying to figure out how to this describe this. This film was rated this. PG-13. Really? Yes. That's crazy. Because that's he slips it full in. frontal nudity. It's brief. It's brief. But it is. But yeah. it's her. Yeah. It's all her. Uh, then, and I. Something's Gotta Give was also PG-13. You know, you can sneak in a comedy I know. flash. No, but I believe. No, you. What? Well, what are you going to say? I think. You're saying you can see downstairs in this one and not, <laughs> yeah. in, not in something's got to give. I like pause it or It's anything, very brief like, in very both circumstances. You, you can see downstairs both. in this movie. I, I watched the scene five times. I just had to know. I had to know. How do you I know, resign. David? <laughs> but, but also, not just because of the, the nudity, I could not figure out what she was saying afterwards. So I had not to really, watch it yeah. five I times mistimed it. until yeah. I got the closed caption on. She said, I mistimed it. I wanted you to see me full frontal. Which I guess what she wanted was, I can't tell if she's making a joke to cover up for being embarrassed, but then the note on the door makes it seem like that was her plan, that she yeah. was hoping the second he walked out, she would walk out. And then she puts on a shirt. Cause she, right. She, like, I think she wants, she's clearly, she's like, come over, let's bang. But can I talk about this insane thing that happens? When she pops out the door to say, I mistimed it, I wanted you to see me yeah. full frontal. She's not just popping out an angle. It's like she is lying. Yeah, she's, she's very high on the door. But she somehow. is 100% I know. horizontal. I know, it's very weird. F- fucking 15 feet off the ground. But again, it's like something out of a heightened, like old fashioned studio movie almost. Yeah. Like it's cartoonish. Yeah. So then now she's wearing a shirt and they talk about the script. They're, they're talking about the script and then he's basically like, can, we, can I just do this privately? And she's basically like, yeah, let's fuck. Right. So then she, right. He's like, well, my process, I don't want people seeing me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, fine. He is about to start reading. She she kiss attacks him. Yeah. And then they start fucking, but she doesn't want to turn her phone off. I'm a phone person. Yeah. She gets a lot of phone and calls. And she gets a lot of phone calls, and his face is so upsetting. The first phone call is a guy saying, look, I know you don't care that much about one-month anniversaries, but if you don't want to be with <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, so that's like the first clue that like maybe she's a bad person. They sure, continue she's, fucking while. A guy breaks up with her on the phone. Yeah. What else is there? Someone calls with like gossip. Like Rosie yeah. O'Donnell, the makeup artist, calls right. with gossip. You won't yeah. believe who's gay. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember what the other calls are because I'm just like looking at his like sweaty, right. <laughs> disgusting face. But then the fourth call is the kindly neighbor. Oh, yes. Because Nick Nolte has left the number with her of Jolie Richardson's house. Yes. It's right, his daughter right, right. on the phone going like, I think this is the wrong number. <sighs> God. And he like falls off. Of so her. right, so they they're halfway through sex or whatever, and she, he has to stop or something. Right, because he promised her he'd do something. You promised me you'd be back in time so we could sing songs or something. Right. I, I like honestly. I, this remember. is where I'm just getting sick of this movie. Like yeah. I just turned on this film. Okay, I'm going to ask a very difficult question. Do you think the performance of the daughter in this movie is good? I, th- I, mean, I spent the whole time trying to parse like it. It's such a horrible character. It's such a horrible right. character that like the kid I think was it's asked bad. to scream. No, I, I think it's bad. I think she's good, no. but I also no. think you they know asked what? I her just to decided. be as up, like, uh, unpleasant no. as possible. I think of this, if she was giving a better performance, the character might make more sense. Maybe. As it is, it's like, okay, she's just evil. Okay. She's a weird kid. I mean, she's got funny like gestures and... Yeah, but that would work better with a good performance. Like, that would make more sense. So then I think they go back to his place, and she takes out her, like, Mr. Mike and does what is the only remaining musical number. She sings him a song. Which was supposed to turn into a full-blown musical number. In the end credits, you hear the full-produced studio version. With Carole King. That's the Carole King song. Carole King wrote that song. Right. 
It's the song you open the episode with when everyone turned the episode off. You are the cast. cast. Or whatever. You, you can pod everything. <laughs> I kind of like that song. I think it's a banger. <sighs> God. What's the matter, buddy? I'm sorry. I'm just stressed out. Uh, what's what's going on? Ben, cut this out. I mean, cut this out. Yeah. My sure. dad's having financial problems, but I don't want to talk about this on the show. It's not a we've, thing I want to talk we've about. We've never talked about it because you've cut it out every He's time. cut right, it out ben? every time. I mean, so feel free to say whatever you want right now. Because, Ben, you've cut it out every time, right? Yeah. Okay, so let's just talk open. No one on the show, no one who, like, listens would know This isn't, like, a callback. This This isn't, no, it's not a recurring bit. It's just a real-life situation. Um, I'm sorry to hear about that. He got in financial trouble. He decided to invest in popsicle sticks. (laughs) Yeah, that's, uh, that's a bit of a down industry right now. He was sort of looking at, like, futures. Okay. And he thought that was, like, the next big boom. Uh Uh-huh. And so he has invested $15 million in Popsicle Stacks. I mean, look, I'm not going to tell your dad what's what, but I'm ju- I am going to say if he's got some debt trouble, he could uh, look into Lightstream. Lightstream? Yeah. I mean, you don't need to be an expert to know that consolidating debt into a low fixed rate is going to save you money. No, that sounds about right. No, I'm not an expert, and that does sound correct. And average interest rates on credit card debt is uh, 17 point cent APR. And have you looked at your interest rate? Like, you could be spending a lot of money just keeping afloat. Yeah, I mean, I am, literally. I'm spending so much money on sort of uh, water wings, uh, inner tubes, just trying to stay afloat. All right. Well, let me tell you about Lightstream's credit card consolidation loan. Okay. Um, it's a fixed uh, interest rate, as low as 5.49% APR with auto pay. Uh, it's backed by the rate beat program, so Lightstream will beat any qualifying interest rate presented by any other lender. Yeah. And you could save thousands of dollars in interest, and there's no fees. It basically just like looks at your credit card debt and tries to get it into a, like, a lower debt rate. So they look at, at debt the same way that like Bob Barker looks at uh, pets. Likes it fixed. <laughs> fixed rates. And you want to weigh in on this? Fix, fixed rates. Uh-huh. Apply today and get an additional interest rate discount on top of Lightstream's already low rates. The only way for my listeners... Well, I mean, that's a little... You're taking a lot of credit there. Our listeners, Yeah, ben. come on, Ben, please. My apologies. <laughs> the uh, only way for our listeners... There we go. Yeah. Much Good better. credit to get this special interest rate discount is to go to lightstream.com slash blank. That's lightstream.com slash blank. L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash blank. Well, guys, I got to say, look, I appreciate how knowledgeable you are on this subject. You're really helping a friend out in need. It's a shame that our listeners won't get all this good advice, too, since we're going to have to cut all this out. No, I, I, I just but I just want to before we cut it all out, yeah. like, you know, they, they, they got loans from between like five thousand to one hundred thousand dollars. That's my exact rate I'm looking at. I'm looking at that range the of numbers. Whole things online. Yeah. It's really easy to do. You can choose your funding date. You can see interest rates before you apply. Oh, Great. And it's a division of SunTrust Bank, so it's one of the nation's largest and strongest financial institutions. Yeah, I gotta just get my dad to stop buying popsicle sticks, too. All right. I should mention, though, very quickly, subject to credit approval, okay? Mm-hmm. Rate includes 0.50% auto pay discount. Okay. Available only when you select auto pay prior to loan funding. Okay. Terms and conditions apply, and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com for important information about limits on lightstream loans, same day funding, and rate beat program. 
I mean, I don't know why you got so formal there. We're just having a casual conversation. But I, once again, appreciate That's how he usually talks. the advice. That is true. That is how Ben usually talks off mic. And of course, uh, now Ben, uh, edit point, and you cut all of that out, right? What's up? How do you feel about the sex scene? Uh, <laughs> no? Uh, uh, I, I think I blocked it out. I Fair blocked enough. out most of this movie. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, it, this just gets so, like, all the different kind of plot lines or different storylines, it gets so mixed up. Like, the Albert yeah, Brooks stuff. Saying, right. The yeah, Brooks stuff is just well, so sprinkled I don't even in. Know well, what's like, going on. I guess he has a relationship with Julie Kavner, and they're, like, together for a while, but then he's, but he's getting depressed. But, like, they, they sort of skip over this whole thing where he's getting depressed about work, too. Yeah. Because his movies aren't testing well enough. But, yeah, his relationship with Kavner is the test screening cut to they had sex. Cut to they have a very serious conversation about the future of their relationship at a dinner. You know what I mean? Like he's really depressed about like just they've broken up and he's sad. But he's depressed about his career in general. It's he's, all out of order. He's going through like a life crisis without any sort of introspection. And she keeps on because she's got this honest curse like telling him exactly what's going on and then he kind of responds glibly and then says something very honest and mean to her. Right. And she hates his honesty. Right. She's like, why don't you lie more instead of saying mean things to people? Now, let me say some mean things to you. Right. There's the scene at the dinner where he, like, goes to the place where he knows everyone goes, and they have, like, the fucking balcony seat, and everyone's eagle-eyed looking to see who walks through the door, and there's kind of a funny bit where, like, every man abandons his date to to run to schmooze. And, And then she... Like kind of breaks up with him in front of those other yeah she, industry she big does wigs. break up with him There's, which makes more sense now that I've realized the I can't scene. lie yes. scene but it's still but, but I, I think like I don't that know that dinner scene is really weird but then they're like that woman's amazing God okay, I'd love this to is after like the key moment which is the test yeah yes okay. yeah yeah okay yes it is okay and then, you got me sorry <laughs> is Whatever. that. I can't remember if this is before or after, but another thing I just want to read verbatim because it's such an insane, yeah. like, up up the ass and around the corner Brooks exchange. Yeah. When Brooks calls her and says, want to have a little sex, or rather he says, want to have a little sex? And Kavner goes, you know, I've never hung up on anyone in my life because what if the next thing they said solved everything? Right. But I feel I must end this conversation. What? But that's, yeah. but that's Brooks shit. I know, but it's also like, if you want to make a movie about a person who can't lie, if you're James L. Brooks and you go, I got a great idea for a movie, it's liar, liar, let me beat him to the punch by three years. You can't just make that a subplot. It's like a sub-subplot. It's yeah. also sort of like as good as it gets. Yeah. Right. I guess he hones it with as good as it gets. Right. It's right, sort but of that's, like, an, it, it's sort of the germ of that idea. Yeah. And that's just, he's an asshole, which is also a way to justify someone telling the truth all the time. It doesn't have to be a fucking chemical well, also, condition. Yeah, also, I mean- and as yeah. good as it gets, it's sort of a. I mean, like he he's he's OCD. Yeah, yeah. he has a disability. Right. Like that's of that's sort, sort of yes. what they. I mean, whatever you're going to talk about, right? Yeah. Problematic. So Nolte <laughs> goes in for his screen test, and they leave uh, the daughter with Jolie Richardson. Right, mm-hmm. and he's getting made up by uh, Rosie O'Donnell. Yeah. I will say, I think this scene is very well observed. This is very accurate to right. what it feels like to be the actor in the middle of 
like you're getting ready for this really important moment in your career, yeah. and they're just like, "Oh my god, did you hear about blah de blah?" Like, right? Because if you're like a big time A list star, they get kind of like quiet around you. But if you're like a Griffin Newman level, just get him in and out as quickly as possible. Right. They're so much more concerned with their conversation. Right. Um, and it's always gossip shit like that. You always get the best shit from hair makeup people. Right. Yes. Uh, and Rosie, Rosie's weirdly good casting for this. She is, which, yeah. but she was kind of famous at this point, right? Like, yeah, this, is like to a this, is like a, this is like a cameo, right? Sort of. Because like so. Flintstones yes. is the next year. She'd been in Sleepless in Seattle already. Yeah. Um, so League he, of Their Own. Is, he goes in and does the test. Well, they, Jolie Richardson comes in and goes, "Here's my tip. You're going to be great. What they need is sexy." Okay. That's the thing they're looking for, Mr. Deeds. And I've like gotten. Notes like that when I'm going in for callbacks, not never sexy, because if they're looking for sexy, they haven't even called me in in the first place. Right. Mm -hmm. But they'll say things like, hey, you know, so they're bringing you back in to meet with the director. This is the note we got. The thing to work on is the vulnerability or the thing to work on is here's the one element. Right. And to say sexy is like that's kind of a well perceived moment because that's one of those things that like they will say to you when you're an actor that gets so in your fucking head where you're like, how do I be sexier? Right, and that what does him in in the test screening review is that right. he, they Brooks well, keeps basically a, saying like, "Would you fuck this guy?" Right. So this is like a this is a scene that plays really weirdly in 2018, yeah. as, right. as many yep. as uh, many in the rest of this movie do. But like, basically, there's a scene, and then the they go and they're like, "Would you fuck?" Would like, and people are like, "Yeah, I'd fuck her. Yeah, I'd fuck her." And right. then they're the like, woman "What about her?" Who's in the test? Who yeah. was just supposed to be reading with him? And they're like, "She's pretty good. You'd fuck her, right? You'd fuck her." Yeah. And they go, well, "What about him?" And they're like, not really, not really, not really. And, and Jolie then, Richardson's like, shouldn't it be about more than this? No, but also the yeah. Albert like Brooks has this big thing about like him. it's yeah. Albert Brooks has this big thing about it. it's like it's would you go to bed with him or wouldn't? And you're like sort of like you should say that you fucked him. But, but I think she doesn't want to a, because it'll look unprofessional. Yeah, it's right. it's an awful scene. No, it's but so, I mean yeah, yeah. I mean I don't mean she should have said that. But that's no, sort no, of what but, you're that, thinking, but that's what the like, scene's about. Yeah. And Vicky Lewis yeah. says like maybe five years ago, and it's right. like. She doesn't want, want to embarrass herself by admitting it all you of a sudden. You want people sexiest man not, alive two years But ago. it's, it's yeah, not... Right. Yeah, well, yeah. that's true. So, um, so then... Uh, the other, this is the end of his career. Right, concurrently... But that's it. But th- that's the thing. I, I just want to say, there's like 40 minutes left of the movie, but that's the end of Nick Nolte's plot. He's not even trying anymore. Yeah. He stops trying to be an actor. The kid, because... Because the kid takes over the movie. He gets a job at the end of the movie in the Oliver Stone thing, but it's like it's an the same afterthought. Movie. It's the, like, he's, right. Oh, right. Oliver Stone's yeah, going to make the movie now. Deeds. Right. Yeah, it's yeah, an afterthought yeah, right. because the kid gets cast in a sitcom. And he's, he's quote unquote, the, the crippled is, doctor, right? What did they say? The yeah, crippled... The crippled best, best part in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. The kid, because the kid is walking around with Julia Richardson and it's such a star. And Everyone is, like, is yeah. she she does something where she's like, should I say it like this or like this? And then yeah. and um somebody sees her and is like, put oh, her, put, put her like in, get it. So then put she her in the gets foster a role. Kid sitcom. She doesn't have to. She just like tests. She gets it. She gets the offer. Gets the offer. Right. And then the movie is like 30 to 40 minutes of him coaching her on how to act. Yeah. Because she's worried about whether or not she can cry. But she's awful. Like, this is where she takes over the movie and she's awful. This is why I'm saying she's bad. Yeah. And it's like, it's unclear like, whether Like, you he, can't stand her. No, you cannot. It's unclear whether he believes, like, it, it's sort of supposed to be the turn where it's like, this makes her a better person, ultimately. Like, ultimately, it's like being cast in the show makes her a better daughter. And then the, I guess so. The penultimate. Which, which, that's a weird lesson to learn. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I mean. It's like, it's sort It helps of, her connect with her dad. It helps yeah. her connect with her dad, which is like- 
okay, like literally putting the child to work helps but her. Also, it's like he has the correct response when she's cast, which is like kid actors are terrible. Bad you idea. don't want to yeah. do this. No good. Don't do it. And then he bad. just supports her in doing it anyway, even though she's not really prepared for it. She's not really right. good at it. She's like, no. do I have to learn to read too? <laughs> she's stressed out by it. But she does that song about how she's going to make so much money and she wants all the money and she's like fucking waving it in her dad's face. And then there's this weird scene where Jolie Richardson invites him this is, back this is the bad scene. to her okay. place to have sex, but they take their own cars, yeah. but they're talking over the car phones while driving around the canyons, right? Yeah, it's very dangerous. And, um, and she, she confesses her, him her test screening mistake. While he's yes. in the car behind her that she folded on him. Right, yeah. and, he, and so he turns around And he's over dramatically. He's like very, at the beginning goes like, look, I'm totally fine with the test thing. That's right. in the past. I'm yeah. happy with my life. Goes, look, I should admit to you, I kind of folded on you at the and end. She doesn't do it in like a horrible way. She's no. like, you know, I I've talked to you about my problems with this, like, like you know. They asked me if you were sexy, and I said you weren't. And he loses his mind. Um, he just like yeah collapses. But then the truly away. the truly horrible scene is their later confrontation. Right, the okay. thing right. where it's like she has shifted in this movie from like kind of happy go lucky romantic lead to like a monster to like a, a hollywood person. poison person like so okay so it happens all off screen they're, screen, right. they're shooting yeah. the pilot yes they're shooting the pilot um it's she's back as they do on multi-camera sitcoms uh-huh. and they're inviting the kids out to take vows and the kids like my bow is great you're gonna love my bow right he and, has to see her and we're, and we're not being sarcastic it. they do actually no, do this yeah, and it's really that, weird like, yeah yeah, it's, that's a, especially that's, for pilots. They make people applaud actors they haven't seen yet. Right. Yeah, right. The idea of this scene is she's coming to Nolte with the new, the Oliver Stone news. Yeah, and, and this so is she like, does have good news for him. But I suppose. this is yeah. like the oh, I can't miss my daughter's ballet recital but moment. It, it just comes on us for no well, reason she, out like, of nowhere. She's like Oliver Stone is making this movie and like he wants he you wants in it. You and he's and, like fine, I don't care. And he's like we I don't care. Blah blah, blah blah. And and basically it's suddenly like she is a manipulative bitch that only cares about her work and can't understand right. where she'd been like taking care of the child basically. Right. Do you not realize him. what a big opportunity this is? And he goes, look, I promised her I wouldn't miss a moment. And she goes, my dad missed everything and look at me. I'm fine. It's like, as of this scene, apparently you're not <laughs> suddenly you're not. Yep. And then, and then he misses the bow. He misses the bow and he misses flips the bow, out. Flips out, but then he is there for the big scene. But then Julie Kavner walks in and is like basically to to, to Jolie Richardson, you're, you're not, horrible. Yeah, you're not good enough for him. You're a bitch, basically. Right. Which makes she zero says, sense. Right. Right. First Jolie Richardson's like, "What's wrong?" And she's like, "It's fine. It's fine. He's just way better than you. Like yeah. you're not good enough for him." Okay. So now, she's like, it's part of her truth telling disease. The most insane scene. Her in the her of words film. are Brooks's words. You know what I mean? Yes. Like anytime Julie Kavner speaks, she's the voice of reason. Right. Exactly. Uh, is James L. Brooks implying that his brain is only the result of a bad prescription? I don't drug? know. I'm just okay. saying. Like the the craziest scene. Yes. In the history of cinema. The this is this is what we needed to talk about. Plot of the sitcom. This is the is, end of the movie. Yeah, and Ben, I know we need to wrap up. Don't worry, we'll only talk about the scene for two hours. <laughs> the plot of the sitcom is mixed race foster parents. A lot of kids, handful, like twenty. It's kids. called like Rainbow, Rainbow House. Kids Rainbow House. Yes. Or right. Something. Yes, I think right. you're right. Uh, black mother, white father. Mm-hmm. There's that aside where the black actress is like, you, you want me to, to do a Jack A? Like sort of like, mm-hmm. you know, is basically yeah. making fun of them for asking like, yes. her to ham it up. And they're they're like, like, yeah, like, yeah, but no, no but, but like, yeah. yeah. Right. It's like so uncomfortable. And they keep on, the sitcom the looks worst. so broad and so hammy. They keep on talking about this crying scene she has to do. And you're like, 
where would a crying scene fit into yeah. the pilot it's, of this, this is show? The, thing. the scene they shoot, I have no idea what it is right. in this in this sitcom. Like, what a, is it? Especially multi-camera sitcoms try to avoid emotional scenes as much as possible. They would do one very special right, well, episode every yeah. other season, maybe. Maybe in the pilot, though. But yeah, it's sort of like a it's sort of like a facts of life type. Uh, I don't know. Right. So they're like grilling her on why she's been acting out so much, and she's rocking back and forth on this like. And there's like a long pause. It's just like too much pause. You for think this. she's so forgotten long. the line? It looks like to me He's a botch scene. Yes. yes, but then she says the line. Right, and she's saying the other kids make fun of me because I'm, I'm not black. I right? guess so. Well, yeah. No, she says a worse word than. Oh, oh, yes. Black, she, not the worst word. But, co- colored. Okay, there yeah. you go. Right, um, and everyone said, in the audience is like, <gasps> but they're not shocked because of the word. They're like, oh, yeah, she and doesn't then, get it. Then, right, I don't know. And then the white guy says. Something like the guy, white guy says, like you don't say colored, you say black, and, and the black lady says, you don't say black, you say African American, and the whole audience laughs, gales of laughter, <laughs> and like we see that the audience is mostly black, and I don't know what's going on and in this scene, and it's all out of nowhere. Pause, because yeah. she's supposed to cry now, right? She's supposed to cry now, and there's a long pause, and, and the mom says, like, African American, can you use it in a sentence? Oh, I forgot. Yeah. Right. That's the setup. That's the setup for her great line. The term is African American can use in a sentence. You go, what the, What fucking sitcom is this? It holds on her for like two minutes What's of silence. What's the sentence? The sentence is tears in her eyes. Yes. Her beloved father's gotten it out of her. She says, I love an African American. So weird. And, and the whole audience uh, goes like, oh. And her black foster mother in return gives her says, a big hug. Well, oh, she, what did she, she say? She, I love a redneck girl. Yeah. yeah. And she, no, and she's supposed to run and hug the foster mother. Yeah. Right. But, but she instead runs she runs and hugs. and hugs Nick Nolte. Which is weird too. Which is weird too. And then she says to him, I was thinking of you. No, I know. I, mean, I was thinking right, if they yeah. take if they take you away yes. from me. So here's why. So suddenly scene, they like each other. She still sucks. Yeah. Uh, He's figured it out like a little bit. Yeah. But she sucks. Here's why this scene is insane. And she's only gonna get worse. She's Beyond in a sitcom. The actual just like facts yeah. of it. They could have made the scene in the sitcom literally anything because the whole point is for her to succeed. She just needs to cry and hug her dad. She has to make herself cry whether or not the thing makes her sad. Except, and I think so. It could be a fake. Yeah, but I think Brooks has a bee in his bonnet about these kinds of patronizing sitcoms. Like he's trying to do satire. It's just terrible. Right, exactly. He's trying to make a point, but it's weird. Yeah, but it's weird that 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 like. Out of context. They, I just saw what's in the box office. Oh, my God. Okay. Sorry. But okay. Go, go on, please, please. Yeah, they don't make the, it, it doesn't make, the context doesn't work. Like, yes. And it doesn't make sense. It could be something about a dad. It could be something. It, it's just, it's it's flabbergasting. It's, it's insane. Because, it, yes, it could have been literally anything. You even didn't need to show the preamble. You could just have Nick Nolte go, oh, my God, this is the moment. And then the camera zooms in on her. Yeah. Um, and so we have this whole thing. It's insane. And it seems like he's trying to do satire of something, but it's not working. I love an African-American. So <laughs> That's the end of the movie. Well, then, right? then they have this like party, party afterwards, and he has the conversation with Albert Brooks where he tells him, look, Stone said you can have any part yeah, you want. Like, and he goes, I'd love one of the leads. Right. And he's like, no, he wants you for the crippled doctor. Best part in the well, movie. Before that, he laughs more than anyone has ever laughed at any joke. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. He gives Nick Nolte the Irving Thalberg Award for yeah, comedy points. Right, right. And then goes, you have the crippled doctor. He goes, best part in the in the picture. Right. And then he walks away, and that's the end of the fucking movie. And he, and he, He'll and do he, anything. He's like, I'll, he, she shows him her bow. Right. Finally. Right. And then at the end of the movie, over the end credits, they do a full 
grand orchestra version of You Are the Best. You are the best. You are the best. Um, (laughs) So you know what sucks? This should have been the weird aberration misstep in his career that he then like totally recovered from, which he does in the next movie, not as strongly as his first two films, but like certainly in terms of court of public opinion, he gets back on track. In terms of how it's aged since then, mezzo mezzo. And then he just goes even further afield. Like, right. it's insane how much he fully lost it. The yeah. plot, you know? Yeah. The thread. Well, I mean, yeah. in, what's yeah. weird about this, too, is that he, like, he has an excuse for missing the plot in this movie because of He's the attempt a big to, swing. Because he's attempt to make a musical. But then, and then it, right. Yeah, and then right. the recovery. Why does How Do You Know also feel like a musical that had the songs cut out of it? You know, yeah, like, sure. they all have this it's weird something. air to them, and they're all caught up in really unsympathetic lives. I want to apologize because I clicked. Yes, to everyone. Because okay. I clicked on the box office and box office was directed to be the wrong week and blank check was in the top five. <sighs> and I was really excited. They weirdly often will link you to the second week it's when you weird. click on the first week. But okay. this movie actually came out the week before blank check. Okay. Yeah. That's all. That would have been great. It came out February 4th. How would you have clued me? I have no idea. Okay. I was on. trying to figure it out. It came out February 4th, 1994. Which My is- mother's birthday. That's the day Shit. my mother was born, literally. <laughs> yeah, um, that's but, my mother's birthday. But also that th- February 4th, come <laughs> on. Like, no hope for this movie, right? Like, they, this this studio, the studio is dumping Excuse me? Would you say that to my mother? <laughs> she no, was top of the box office. Number one. I love my Number one at the white box mother. office. Yeah. <laughs> is a comedy yeah. that launched a movie star. Uh, I was there opening weekend. Is it a carry? Yes. Because this was his big year. So yeah. it's Ace Ventura? Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Yeah. $12.1 million opening weekend. Basically makes its budget back immediately. The craziest year any movie star has ever had. Because uh, The Mask and Dumb and Dumber Correct. all that year? Right. Weird. And it was like he got paid like $250,000 for Ventura. He got paid like $2 million for The Mask. And then Dumb and Dumber didn't start production until after Ventura came out and he got paid like $12 million. Like he became an A-list movie star over the course of a year. Number two at the box office mm-hmm. stars another comedy star. Might be their biggest movie ever. Interesting. So this is kind of their, right? their peak? It's their peak, right, Ben? For sure. Yeah. Certainly sure. their peak is like a family comedy star. Is Like it, he'd been around for a while, but this is like... super quotable. It's super quotable. <laughs> For you? Interesting. <laughs> For you. I, what's like a quote you like from this movie? Yeah, give me one quote you like from this movie. Let's use that as a hint. No, it'll give it away. Yeah, but it would be funny to hear you quote the movie. Uh, uh, I can only think of one. Okay, then say. And, but it's totally going to give it away. Does it star a former SNL? <laughs> How did he not get it from that? <laughs> Griffin's what? eyes fl- flashed with panic. <laughs> is it a former SNL star? No. Is it Mrs. Doubtfire? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Hello! Because <laughs> you said quotable, and I was like, the I only was... quote I can think of is hello. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. What if we'd said, uh, quote, something from the movie, and Ben had just sung, dude looks like a lady? <laughs> <laughs> like, what's another quote of that movie? I'm Mrs. I'm Doubtfire! Mrs. Doubtfire! Yeah. Uh, Hello. 
<laughs> one one of the uh, biggest movies of all time. At the Huge time of its movie. release, it was Huge like movie. number eight. Period. Huge movie. In history. Yeah. Okay. Number three is a very serious Oscar drama. There's a lot of like Oscar leftovers over, here. Sure. Sure. Uh, it was an Oscar winner in the in an acting category in 19 you know, the previous year. I guess it hasn't won its Oscar yet. 93. Which category did it win in? Best actor. Won best actor. You know Esther? Who won best actor in, in 1993? 90, no. Three. I'm no. really bad at like. Remembering years. Remembering years. Yeah. Hmm. Did it only win Best Actor? I believe it also won Best Song. I think I'm right about that. But it was not a musical. No. What is? Was it? I'm to, correct about that. Was it a Susical? No. no. Was it Philadelphia? <laughs> yes. Oh. Yep. Streets of Philadelphia. Um, I was about to launch into Streets of Philadelphia, and sure. I realized we don't have the time for that. Mm-hmm. Number four is uh, a comedy starring uh, Catherine Heigl. Not without my father? Or my no. father the hero? Yeah. There you go. I just thought that it's interesting. Yeah, that's a <laughs> that there was a nineteen ninety four comedy star. Yep. And Gerard Depardieu, of course. Yeah. Hollywood had a bad run in the nineties of being paired up in two handers with mega creeps. Uh and then number five is I'll do anything. Yeah, not a good opening. Um and uh you got Schindler's list. Uh you got Grumpy Old Men. Whew. Lemon and Mathau. A and barn burner. Sir, and, Ar- and Margaret, right? And that's one that grew, because I think that was one where it like, didn't open huge and then just kept on fucking trucking. <laughs> it's doing okay. It's made 54 in seven weeks. Gets up to 100, I think? No, right? no. 70. Okay, 70. 70 pretty good. You got Pelican Brief. You got some movies I've never heard of. Uh, well, I'll say this movie made me uh, hate the industry I'm in even more. Sure. I yeah. felt weirdly disgusted while watching well, it, especially when it gets to the child actor stuff. Yeah, the child yeah. actor stuff is really... I mean, there are many upsetting things in this right. movie, but that's also a weirdly upsetting way to end it. That it's like, yep. this kid's going to be okay because she's, she's on a sitcom. She's in a sitcom. Right. It's which so is, understand. It feels like the end of Showgirls. It's like, it's like he, this right. is going to be bad. It's like he got money from his kid. Like, that's so why he can be, be secure. Li- yeah, now he's going to be living off his kid. And she's already fucked up. Like, this isn't going to help but you know, her. I think she's never going to learn right. to read. We're wrapping she needs up. boundaries. We're done. We're done. But I do think that's Brooks's thing where he's like, yeah, it's a, it's a cynical industry, right? Like, he's trying to do like a happy sad it's a cynical world of fears it doesn't the the cynical element of it doesn't register at all no it doesn't you can do anything I I once interviewed James L. Brooks for the age of 17 right was he nice he was really nice he seems like such a nice guy yeah he was a nice guy was he still like with it yeah, he was he's still pretty with old. It. Yeah, he's pretty old, but he was still with it. It was like, yeah, it was a Toronto last year for Edge of Seventeen. Such a good movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't like. He didn't say yeah. anything that was like relevant to this podcast, so I didn't know how to sure. sneak it in. But yeah, he was he was very nice. He actually, I sort of fucked it up because he gave me like something that like he, they were doing this VR thing with The Simpsons that like hadn't been announced yet, and I was like, oh, cool, can I break that? And oh, I don't know if I should say this on the say air. It, say it. Say it. Say it. We can cut out later. No, I can't. Like, I, I don't think I can, but I'll tell you it off air. Okay. It's really funny, though. Great. So have fun, listeners, not ever hearing that story. <laughs> David and I are going to brag Sorry. on Twitter. It goes on the pile with the Brendan Fraser story. Yep. Well, I'll never tell it on my... <laughs> yep, yep. Um, I, I, the short version of it, it was like he was going to call me to ask me a question about something. Okay. But he never did. Sure. I'm going to say something crazy right now. I know something so fucking juicy that is so relevant to this podcast that I've not even told anyone <gasps> that I know... And several months from now, you're going to lose your mind that I was sitting on this. 
Tell me now. I cannot tell is you. It, wait, you can't tell like, me off. Wait, is it horrifying no. or like? It's good. Okay, it's good. Oh, it's it, a good thing. It's a good thing. I cannot. Why tell can't you, you tell me? Hundred percent sworn to secrecy. I was told by someone who was like, I have told two people in the all right, world. All right, fine, fine, whatever. But you're gonna lose your you. mind when you know that I knew this. All right, all right. Ugh. That's definitely it. And always, and as always, I would rate, review, and subscribe. I'll probably be able to reveal it a couple weeks Thank after this episode comes out. Okay, fine. Uh, rate, review, subscribe. Esther, thank you so much for being on thank the show. Thank you for having me. Easy writes on Twitter. Um, uh, you're the best, Esther. Thank you so much you for, thank for you. being on the show. Thanks for putting can up I do with anything? me. When I, you can do <laughs> anything. Thanks for putting up with me. Uh, and we make a really uh, good uh, joke about you uh, two episodes from now. So tune in for that. Oh my God. Do we? Yeah, we still I'll remind you what it is off okay. mic. Right. I just don't want to okay, sell out so the that's joke. Fine, that's, fine, that's fine. That's okay. fine. That's fine. That's fine. Blakey's.riot.com. Thanks to Andrew Figueroa for our social media. Joe Bowen and Pat Reynolds for artwork. Lane Montgomery for our theme song. And thank you to our sponsors, uh, Dollar Shave Club, uh, Beachbody, and Lightstream. And as always... <laughs> folks, this is Griffin from the future. Oh my god! I'm interrupting the episode with a breaking announcement. At the time we recorded this episode, we thought the musical version of I'll Do Anything was un- watchable and we found out it was but we know it now from experience because folks thanks to blanky jake mckay we have gotten our hands on a copy of it so coming this thursday that's right a bonus episode we're we bringing em. back esther zuckerman yep. and we're discussing the musical version of i'll do anything the first movie since the force awakens to get two episodes that is sadly true i, I have a question future griffin yeah uh how does the episode go for me? Am I? I don't like nothing weird comes up. I don't like kill myself or anything. No, right? you do. You you're very you are upset. miserable. Yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, there's a lot going on in that app. Yeah, uh, we were put it this way. We were going to record for ten minutes, and I think we went for an hour. Yeah, yeah. You're not happy. <laughs> okay, well that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it sounds really plausible, right? Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah. Okay, cool. I mean, I'm like pretty much up to like my wits end. Yeah, yeah. You've yeah. had it well, up to here. Imagine with us. how you feel four months later, where I'm coming from. Oh, yeah, I can see it now. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so, folks, stay tuned. Check that feed. I'll do anything. The musical edition of a bonus episode.